Hi, I'm Michael Horn. I represent the Billy Meyer UFO contacts in Switzerland, and you're listening to the Just Conversation podcast. Warning, this program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh huh. Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm your host, Christina. And if you haven't yet, remember to hit the subscribe button to get notified when new episodes are released. Like how I trailed off at the end? It was like no. I was going to follow it through and didn't. Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we would discuss. Yes. So tell people, especially, look, look. I usually I usually insert a thread about here about go get somebody and force them to listen. Now, this is going to be the only sh- episode that I'll ever tell you. Just 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 listen. Just, just listen. listen. Just listen. You are you're going to be informed today. You're going to be informed today. Yes. We have we have There's a lot to take in. There's a lot to take in. We have an amazing guest. We have an amazing guest. His name is Michael Horn, and he is here to discuss the prophecies, the teachings, the lessons, the experiences, the the written works, the philosophies of Billy Mayer. Now, to, to unpack some of this ahead of time, so you have sort of a reference point, Billy Mayer is an individual who, as a child, was visited by uh, extraterrestrial life, and this uh, extraterrestrial life was less alien than you'd think, because there's an entire possibility that we are all connected in some vast and complex sub-to-subatomic way. And the... Young Billy was contacted by these beings and was told many different uh, sets of information that he would later write down and would be considered, as time goes by, the prophecies of Billy, which, uh, as time has gone by, they've all come true. There is evidence. There is proof. There are, ahead of any of the events happening, there is evidence that it was written. It was told to be planned, to be expected. And in... His case, he was just an individual who was told this information by entities that wanted him to know, that wanted him to share this information to help uh, society as a collective. And he he made it his life's journey, his life's work to do this. As as I'm a strong believer that the most precious thing in life is your time. There's nothing more valuable than your time. That's everything. Time mm-hmm. is everything. And in the case of Billy, he sacrificed his time for the better of humanity to educate and enlighten on the philosophies that would help us as a society move forward and uh, avoid our trappings, our psychological trappings and our misfalls that happen as a result of structures and structures and organizations whose entire intention is to suppress knowledge and awareness and wokeness. Now, all of this information that I'm talking right now, you can find on Michael Horn's website. You can find that at... Uh, Thefly.com. 
Yes. Or theflyblog.com. Yes. Both of lo- these locations have a tremendous amount of information. Information you can easily obtain, read through, and understand what also I am talking about. Also links to other sites that have more information. Yes. There's, there's just so much information. There's a lot. There's a lot here to unpack. There's a lot of things to read. There's a lot of content. A lot of information to sift through. And, uh... If you are into aliens, if you are into philosophy, which people who would listen to this show are. So if you're into aliens, into philosophy, you're into the the truest of conspiracy theories. We all know the church is designed as some sort of organization of suppression, as is government as a whole. And there are other forces at work as well. I feel like we were making this up recently, and now we got this, that someone else came up with the same conclusion as us. Except they have works ahead of any of the events taking place to kind of declare that look this was said to gun somebody said this was going to happen ahead of it happening and it did happen and this dives into many places we'll even touch on covid briefly uh there's there's a lot i think we were the originals there's time travel involved i think they got it from us they heard us in the future no like in the future they heard our episode and we're like oh this is really happening. So then they go to the past to Billy and then give him the information. That's crazy. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. He's just hearing echoes of our episodes in the future. Yeah. Our very woke, thought out episodes. But all jokes aside, there's a lot of information here. There's a lot of to unpack. It's uh, So I do recommend for, for a good reference point, you could definitely look into Michael Horn's work. There is so much. He, he, he works as sort of an agent for Billy helping in any possible way and sharing the information and just spreading it out as much as possible. This is one of the kindest humans I have ever spoken to, quite honestly. I expected some edginess or any no this is just a really kind man with some very strong philosophies and he really believes in what he's doing yeah he really believes he's dedicated his life to it not just Mm -hmm. billy but michael has dedicated his time to everything he's doing and so this is a conversation with michael horn about his quest to share all the information of Billy and the experiences and his teachings and his guidance and uh, all the things Billy himself, because Billy isn't the head of this spear. There is forces beyond him giving him this information. And if you want to find out in great detail, and let me loosely use the term great detail here, because there was no way we'd have enough time in all of existence to, to get actually, through. Yeah, there's, figure all this out. So there's so much. A, there's a lot of information. There needs to be a, to continue or something. Yes, there's undoubtedly going to be a part two to this conversation. And I'm a. I, I didn't think I needed to plot this out. I've looked at this content before. I've read through it. I was familiar with a couple of these things. There's no way I could become familiar with the amount of knowledge that Michael has retained himself as doing this for so long. He's been working and picking at it and reading meticulously through all these details. So there's no way that in a two and a half hour period... I was going to like pry all that out of him. So there has to be a follow up to this in yes. order to just get in there and get as much as I can and probably some pre-written questions. I know I'm not like the guy to try to structure things, but like this might need a little bit of structure because there's some things I need to know. 
He mentioned so many things that we never went back to, probably, that we just have to. Yeah, I have to pick and choose. I have yep. to pick and choose. There's just too much going on. There's too much. I have to pick and choose where to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't going to inter... There was so much. I It was fascinating. It was truly fascinating. I tried to avoid interruptions as much as possible. There was just some things I really wanted the answer to. And ironically, some of the most complicated things that I have personally delve into my entire life, he had perspectives that led to answers to. And that is fascinating. So I, I highly recommend you stick around for this one. And you enjoy the profound nature of what is the knowledge inside Michael Horn's mind and what is Billy Mayer's information. This uh, uh, extensive look into a a series of ideologies and beliefs that are given to us by a man that's had some profound experiences very young in life, and he has dedicated his life to sharing them. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation very much. Enjoy. And, uh, we'll see you on the other side. Hi. Hi. There is that kind of literally hold-in-your-hand evidence that has been presented. It is the most documented of all UFO cases. And that's why people that, uh, you know, hear an interview about it or come upon it usually wonder why they haven't heard about it before if it's true. And I often say to people, well, it's because it's true that you haven't heard about it or you've run into the abundant uh, attacks, disinformation, skepticism, etc., that has been very uh, carefully and broadly crafted to keep people away from this information. And the, mm, let's say, in recent weeks and months, we've seen a, a proliferation of information, and I can barely call it evidence, but information and poor quality photos or videos, for instance, from the... Uh, the Pentagon and now the, um, what is it, CIA has gotten in the act. And people who are involved, for the most part, and I, I, I'm not a very popular person in the overall field of ufology because they have a great contempt for, for what it is and for what it attracts and for what it has done to suppress as much as the government. It suppressed the truth about these contacts that go on with this man in Switzerland, Billy Meyer. And I've gone so far as to say that I see ufology and many of the groups as being complicit in the spread of terrorism and the spread of COVID. And people going, well, what are you talking about? How can you say such a thing? And I, I say, well, it's very simple. This information is unparalleled, unequaled in any way, shape, or form for its vastness in terms of quantity and quality. It's actually the only claimed UFO case for which there's any evidence. Everything else is either anecdotal or grainy images and, you know, lots of claims and tall stories. And the, the, what's called here the Billy Meyer contacts or the Billy Meyer case, whatever you like, uh, comes forward with just the voluminous amount of high quality and literally still irreproducible evidence that dates back to 1964. Most people don't know it in terms of the physical evidence and back to the 1940s 
in terms of the even more important higher standard of proof, the informational evidence, which I often uh, categorize by saying the specific examples of error-free, prophetically accurate, scientific, environmental, and geopolitical information that one man, beginning when he was a, a young boy, began publishing first, you know, in Europe, of course, he still is in Europe, and that has proved, as per that description, to be error-free, prophetically accurate, and I distilled it all down after having done a few years, you know, of the basic uh, investigation that came right after uh, and upon the heels of my discovery of this material in 1979. And I simply refer to this as the Billy Meyer context, the key to our future survival. And having said that I have contempt for ufology and all of that, it's because this information that is connected to every aspect of our lives as human beings on this planet has been vigorously suppressed, attacked, censored, ignored under the direction or at the behest of major religions, politicians, government, media, corporations, you name it. And I know that for a fact for many reasons and not the least of which is my own personal outreach coupled with that of a good number of other people who have over the years also br tried to bring this information forward, submitted it to various scientists and journalists, and a pretty much uniform lack of response, which is followed on the earlier uh, skeptical responses and attacks that we received from people to whom we sent this information. So I know I'm kind of rattling on here. Oh, no, keep going. Okay. So virtually any and everything that we could think of asking far more advanced beings who actually, you know, if they exist, and I, you know, with all respect for anybody that listens to this, I wouldn't ask you to believe a darn thing. Uh, this is either, you know, the kind of thing that you wish to delve into and do your own determination of, or it isn't, and that's fair enough. I, I will speak of it as being factual because of my own uh, and, and the contributions of many other people to proving it in accordance with all uh, recognized uh, protocols of proof and you know scientific methodology. So that we know that it's real. I, I never say that I know that everything in this case is true. And I'm speaking here informationally because we know the evidence is authentic and irreproducible and all that good stuff. And I'm always glad to address that. But the information in this case that we have in English right now, it's several thousand pages out of 45,000 pages that are still in German. And when we realize what we've managed to cull from several thousand pages, more and more as it gets translated into English, only reveals more and more why this is singularly authentic and why it is literally the key to our future survival and why, therefore, it is so vigorously suppressed and attacked uh, by people who basically fall into two camps. In terms of ufology, these are people who know nothing of significance, not anything of significance. And then you have the uh, parties who are more aligned with uh, 
government or secret government, secret military operations, uh, people in higher levels of sectarian religions and all, who do know some things because they have access, as other anybody can have, to this information. But they have uh, troubled themselves to get the best translators and to go and dig into it. This, this information is known very well at the Vatican. Some of what this man, Mr. Meyer, has published has been co-opted in recent years by the Vatican for their own purposes of trying to recruit more people into their insane religious beliefs. So, uh, I, you know, I, I color things, I guess, with a little bit of prejudice there after watching how much damage has been done, uh, you know, watching or learning of it by you know, religions over the millennia and the damage done by politics, which makes people hopelessly stupid, really. Um, all of these things are done to divide and to uh, polarize people and to take away from the individual their responsibility for thinking for themselves, for not turning over their power to outside forces, be they real or imaginary. Uh, you know, in religions are imaginary forces. These are belief systems, and they are beliefs because they can never be proven to be true. It doesn't mean that in any given belief you can't say, this location, there was somebody here at this time, or this thing happened, but it's all the stuff that's been pounded in and, and uh, you know, filled in about events and, and falsifying uh, information for millennia that basically information that has been in this particular lineage of, if we can use the term prophets slash contactee people, and there are people going back well over 10,000 years whose names we know who were prophets and contact people working with the ancestors, if you will, of the current people who are said to be extraterrestrials and working with this one man in Switzerland. So what we have here in, in that, you know, blurting all that out, you won't find anything like this in so-called ufology. You've got the Roswell case, which was a real crash. No evidence remains. There's nothing there. And you've got other events where in some cases, certainly people have seen craft that were extraterrestrial while most sightings our secret military craft, and this goes back about 100 years, literally, to developments pre and post World War II by a number of major powers who developed alternative type craft to various degrees of, uh, you know, sophistication and ability. But this is something that a particular group of uh, allegedly will say it one last time, and otherwise I'll just make, you know, speak from the my own assumptions and conclusions that this is there is a real group of other humans who have been intimately involved with trying uh, to assist us to assure our own very threatened future survival and their information has covered virtually any and everything probably or at least almost that anybody could want to ask more evolved beings uh, of course, we still have to, you know, make that uh, determination uh, for ourselves. But that's where I've enjoyed delving into this material and realizing not too long after I first came in contact with it in 1979, only well, a few years later, beginning in 86, that this was about something even more important than fantastic UFO, clear UFO photos and films, that this was 
connected to us in a very important way. And it would still take me several years to realize what, as I started to chart the so-called new discoveries that were being announced scientifically and reaching under my bed to pull out these hundred page booklets I had of the rough German to English translations and finding that as early as 1975 and in some cases uh, even far earlier I would learn this man was publishing information about our, our supposedly new scientific discoveries and this continues to be revealed uh, it's happened for some time now pertaining to the COVID information, we are the first people to publish the most accurate COVID information. Um, my my beginning to publish their information in English was on February 25th, and I've published uh, over 90 articles uh, based on information largely that I've received from Switzerland on an ongoing basis. February 25th and of uh, 2020? Okay. Yeah, of last year. And then when they uh, started sending me more of the information that he had only had in German, uh, it dated back to actually on, on this COVID, uh, on this coronavirus, it dated back to November 30th or November 12th of 2019. Now, what we have had on my website for some time is information that he uh, published in 1989 and in 1995, stating that a lung disease would come out of a bioweapons lab in Guangdong, China, that this would be released into the world. And that I've had on my website for the longest time because it was in an article from 1995 where he speaks about that. Uh, that one I, it was most easy to document. And that referred to the SARS epidemic of 2003. In January of last year, 2020, I was in San Diego, California, I did an interview on a CBS TV morning news show, and it was about the UFO aspect of the Meyer case. And I had mentioned to the interviewer that there's a lot of controversial information in this case. And this is January 23rd. And she said to me, well, offhand, what you mentioned controversial information. So the first thing I said to her was, well, uh, you know, there's this coronavirus thing that we're talking about now, and this man first published information on that in, you know, uh, 1995, I think is the date I referred to then, because I have that on my website there. And then we, we left it at that, and then I was, uh, you know, it was actually February 20th, I put something else up online, and on the 25th where I put this document that basically we published at least I think it was at least a dozen of the bullet points, all previously unknown and unannounced until then, including that this was a, you know, a, a pandemic, which they actually told him in November 30th of 2019. But uh, when I published it on February 25th, that was still um, many days before the official announcement, about 16 days or whatever, before the WHO on March 11th said this is officially a pandemic. Well, we had all that. The self-isolation, the staying out of mass transportation, not traveling, keeping away from people, the communicability, I guess, of the disease via air transmission. Allow surfaced. me to interrupt you very quickly. Please. I have uh, uh, three questions that are very important based on everything you've said. The first sure. one, uh, earlier you referenced uh, a, a different kind of human. Well, uh, what specifically did you mean by that? Oh, you mean the extraterrestrials that he meets with when I said that? 
Uh, you use quite exactly said uh, uh, type of human. That there are other humans. What what do you mean by oh, other humans? Sure. Well, what I meant is that, uh, as per the information in this case, uh, again, when I don't have a personal, uh, you know, shake handshake with somebody, but as per the information in this case, this man, since 1942, when he was a five year old boy, began to meet with this particular race of human beings. He's met all of the beings he meets are human beings they they represent we would if uh, based on the descriptions that we have we would say well this person or, or these people he's talking about they uh, they would be very similar to scandinavian people or these people would be very similar to the african races or these people are similar to the asian races and it's you know a wild thing that i learned early on here is when they were speaking about how human life arose initially in the universe and all of that. They speak about 643 different skin colorations, which prompted me to say this would be a nightmare, of course, for bigots, because who are they going to discriminate against? And he is, he's described, you know, different people and, uh, and how this is not a one-off that's going on here on Earth uh, based on this information. I'll just just so people understand that I'm speaking relative to the information in this case, and especially when I start to describe those things, and they even give genealogies in many cases where different races may have first come here, and also the fact that uh, according to them, with the evolution of a planet, as it goes through its process of evolution from the gaseous state and all, over time it reaches a state wherein and whereby it can start to support um, floric and faunic life, and that it is not uncommon for pr approximately three different races to be emerging on a planet and start to be in their evolutionary process. But it's also one of the things that's very unique about this planet, uh, again, according to this, is that over many, well, many millions of years, space-traveling humans from different places of different races have come here when they're even before there was yet the uh, recognizable human forms, homo sapien forms, and uh, and then when there were what we would call recognizable human forms, in some cases they interbred or mated with people here. Uh, in some cases they lorded it over people as representing themselves as their gods and creators. And some came, some left, some got stranded here. Uh, those who got stranded in some cases died off. In some cases, absent their scientific technologies, they kind of regressed evolutionarily and then uh, either died out or went back up climbing the ladder of evolution again when conditions were ripe for that. This type of information is largely unknown, uh, certainly not accepted by, you know, uh, most mainstream scientists. There are some who have started to really look into this quite seriously, but I only wish there were more. Uh, so that's probably what I was referring to, the fact that he has uh, met with people, human beings. We would recognize them quite easily. They would pass among us 
with, and in some cases there might be slight anatomical uh, differences, but they may not even be noticed uh, per se. But we're not speaking about the imaginary greys, which were really just androids, and we're not speaking about the imaginary reptilians, which are not, you know, on this planet. And all of the disinformation perpetuated through the uh, UFO community with great amounts of willing help by the secret uh, military and intelligence services. Okay, okay. Give me one moment. You you have hit me with a lot of information. So <laughs> <laughs> let's take a couple of steps back. Now, yeah. on, on different – this is to say, right? So uh, uh, bipedal humanoid type of aliens come to Earth and then they mate with regular humans. This is to say that the majority of – uh, alien life in our system, even if not even in the entire universe, but at least in our local star cluster or in our galaxy collectively, they are all carbon-based life forms. Um, that's the way I understand it as well. Okay, so the, and this is also to say that we have a common origin of some sort, some type of um, micro uh, type of life form. So some microbic thing that was identical in all these locations for us to have uh, genetic makeup well enough to mate? Or are we saying that advanced enough life form came and altered our DNA in the first place in order to be able to mate with us? From what I understand here, just like we could say um, there are – and we may not know this yet uh, to be factually true. I don't think we've been able to determine this. But in the universe, what we call the universe and throughout the galaxies and the universe, there are planets in, you know, uh, revolving around suns that have developed plants and animals and other creatures. And what they are saying in this material is that there are, while there are certain species and different things that can be different on different worlds, plants, animals, you know, flora and fauna, and human life bears certain commonalities and that there are great variations, they say, in terms of human life. That is, you can have uh, human beings of great or very, very small stature, things that will, in some cases, maybe depend on the, the size and gravity of a planet, different skin colors, perhaps a different number of fingers or eyes or what have you, but essentially human beings. And this then leads us into another part of the material, which is uh, called the spiritual teaching. Now, to be sure, this is a non-religious belief-free teaching. It's said to be the information that comes literally from this universe about what life is and how it works and, you know, the place of different creatures and creations and how basically the real meaning of life is the evolution of consciousness and that this evolution is connected to something that we would call the human spirit, not the soul, which they say is a different and misunderstood construct, but the human spirit being a kind of holographic part piece of the universe self, this creation, they use that term, that has given life and form and, and um, duration and all of that to everything within this creation, within this universe, which they also say, by the way, it isn't the first or only, and that's a whole other story, but while we're talking about it, here we are, and th this is a very vast and complex and intricate 
universe where many life forms are doing their evolution in different places. You're not going to find it, they've said to him, in your solar system because there is no you know, evolving life on other planets in your solar system. There were two other planets that had human life connected to this 22 million year old uh, bit of business I referred to before, but I want to try to stay on, if you are addressing points or questions, I, I don't want to go too far afield, as excited as I am that you're willing to talk about this. Oh no, this is completely fascinating. I'm just a, a bit baffled and confused. So, okay. The We have life happening on different planets. We have evolution happening on different planets. And these aliens come and uh, they evolve naturally. There's a sort of guide that happens. Uh, so because our DNA structures uh, how we are shaped, that's basically the instruction manual for how we, uh, cells are going to behave and then compose themselves that then leads to the creature. We, we have to assume if we can even mate, not just look alike, because that would require so much similarity, but we'd, mm. we'd need natural evolution that is so exact, but without the influence or involvement of the cross-pollination existing in the first place for us mm -hmm. to land on there. So, so we, in, that, that would be impossible. The variance would be too much. So we'd have to assume that some, this, there's a commonality. There's something we have in common with these aliens that mm -hmm. would trace backwards far enough to a, a common ancestor of some sort that not only began that alien life, but also began our life in the first place, which is why in the first place we look so similar. There had to be some beginning point that then populated the rest of the universe, even if with um, microbes that would contain the DNA that then would allow us to evolve. Because the variance of just DNA, just this dimension that DNA would have to happen somewhere else rather than some other a guide for for physical construction so dna had to exist that's something that's pretty exclusive to earth but if it's not then something had to spread it everywhere because it would be particularly difficult something we can't even replicate in a lab with our current science and our science might be primitive but uh for nature to do it we would at least have a grasp on that much so is there anything that's mentioned in the in these texts and this information that's been collected over quite a large period of time on whether there is something of that nature or maybe it is just entirely out of our grasp? Well, actually, just as the flora and fauna naturally arise on a planet when it's ready for it, human life begins to arise. So what, what we're really saying here, and uh, I'll try to covered as best I can with, you know, best of my remembering and knowledge, because I'm not a geneticist or anything like that. But what they are saying, in effect, is that there is an overall, if you will, an overall plan for life in this universe that allows for uh, the, uh, the natural emergence of human life when the planet itself has reached a certain level of development or evolution where it can support human life and that there are certain commonalities in uh, the the human, I don't know if we call it the human genome or the, in, in the chemistry and biology of human beings, it doesn't mean that all, necessarily that all any and all human beings from any place in the universe are going to be fully compatible with 
any and all others. Here's some examples from the material. It was said that in uh, long, long ago, when some of the you, you know early space travelers had come here and there were already naturally arisen, if you will, human beings, that some of them mated with uh, those human beings. Now, remember uh, that I think, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, the sons and daughters of heaven came down and mingled with There's something. And I, I'm not even sure which testament that's in there, old or new, but uh, th we have the legends have been passed down because this information was known before. Now, here's the thing. In this particular portion of information material, it speaks about how there was a tremendous problem with one of these types of intermixings because the, the offspring that were born to the females that were fathered by some of the extraterrestrials who were not all that much different in size and all this stuff than the uh, indigenous earth women grew to phenomenal sizes that just that were uh, the stuff of legends you know that they became giants and that they uh, actually devastated and destroyed the other non-giant humans, they had voracious appetites. They indulged in cannibalism. I mean, there's stuff in here. We're going, wow, what really could this be? Now, here's another thing, and this is pertinent. I'm going to jump and I'll go back to anything you want. But um, this is very, very relevant to what's going on today in the world with the COVID pandemic. And I think I may have mentioned that the information that we've gotten from this man, Billy Meyer, that he's received from his alleged contact people has been impeccably accurate. And actually a lot of it is not yet uh, even mm, talked about in scientific circles because it's not known. One of the things that they spoke about last year that would be problematic for vaccines would be that there are different blood groups. In addition to the fact that men and women, as well as people of different races, have different immune systems, and that these viruses, this virus that we thought was one you know, solitary thing with COVID-19, was going to mutate and create tremendous problems. And what happened is they said, unless your scientists, immunologists, and virologists look into these factors, and especially the difference in blood groups, the virus uh, you know, the vaccine development for viruses is going to be a crapshoot. And they uh, elaborated on it even more recently, saying that this is because these vaccines have been cobbled together so hastily, completely in, uh, you know, out of the norm of the development of, of a vaccine for a specific disease, which usually develops over years that this is going to be like roulette for people and that in some cases this is going to kill people. Uh, in some cases, the vaccine would produce other negative effects in the bodies of people who didn't die from it and all sorts of factors. And I published it. This has been on my website. Well, we now know, and I'm doing another blog about it today because they just announced that uh, some people who have been supposedly cured from one uh, aspect of this COVID disease are reinfected by other mutations or variants of it. And we published this. He, we got the information from them uh, last year. And 
I think, or or in January, is when he had published some of this, and I published it February fifth or whatever, and it was just yesterday or today that rather than just suspecting this, they now have evidence that this is happening. Well, we're screaming our heads off over here. I've had nothing but frustration with the uh, people in the state of Arizona where I live. I I'm bouncing around so you can stop me any point. So. February 25th, I start, I published this document. It's got a, a dozen of these factors, the hidden spreaders, the asymptomatic spreaders, the children, all this stuff. It, you know, it's a pandemic. It's going to change forms. It's, it'll affect immune systems different. All this stuff, we published that nearly a year ago. 57 cases in the entire United States when that goes up on my site. And I'm sending it out. People are reading it. March 5th, I send this information throughout the state of Arizona, from the governor on down through various state and local governmental medical officials to media and journalists, not one response. And I continue to send a series of emails into July of last year, warning, this is going to be worse than China, Iran, and Italy combined. You're going to be held accountable if you don't act on this information. Investigate it. Look, nothing. And there's one particular paper in the state that really blocked everything. They wouldn't question. They wouldn't investigate. Uh, actually, a couple newspapers. There's uh, reporters from an ABC station here. I actually got one of them on video, uh, audio video call, where this woman is so in, incomparably stupid. And, and she's a reporter for the station. It's driving me nuts. Well, no investigation on this information. We, in July, learned that uh, the first case of an infant in the womb being infected, well, we already published that six months before that, at least, from this information. Copyright, copyright validate information. In September, I created a what I called a new online COVID test. What is that? I took 23 items from pandemic, infants in the womb, this and that, and all, you know, one or two word things. And I put that as a topic, and then I had a link to the earliest official announcement I could find. And I, if there are earlier ones, that's fine. People can post them. And then I also linked to when we published it. In every case, we published it before the WHO, the CDC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a doctor in New York State came upon my little test online, and he tweeted, your test is very clever. And then he wouldn't say anymore. Why was the test clever? Because it's courtroom quality proof. We receive information from Switzerland when we get around. We publish it in English. We publish it before all official sources. Well, he didn't want to say any more about that. We do have a frontlines doctor in New York who did want to say more about it. And, and as far back as last April, went on the record in an Al Jazeera news interview, basically without mentioning who we got it from, saying, my source has said this, this is accurate. My source said that, it's accurate. And he, he went out on a limb about it, and he's talking about this material. And I've talked to this guy extensively. He knows that this is real. He just says, you know, I can't come right out and say, you know, Billy Myers getting information from extraterrestrials. He says, I've shared it with family and friends and colleagues before these things were corroborated officially. 
And he said, you know, now some of these people are coming to me and they, they gave me grief before. And now they're saying, well, how did the man know? And he says, well, he, he gets it from these sources. So here's okay, let me stop you real quick. Me. Let me stop you real quick. Sure. Okay. So sure. first, I, I really like how you responded to the question earlier about the sort of similarities of genetic seed. You said there's a collective code that spread out through the universe. And that answer, I was thinking about it right now. And it's kind of amazing. It's sort of saying sort of something like the Higgs boson. It's a particle that sort of made the rest of it. This is to say that there's some atomic scale particle, not microscopic, but atomic scale particle that is engraved in nature, probably started at the Big Bang and generating with the universe had a genetic code that would later evolve in any proper planet with the proper conditions. I've never heard that before. That actually solves a lot of questions when it comes to alien life. And that is the you have proven yourself in that end. That is some of the most profound information I've heard relative to alien life. That is something atomic scale that works as a blueprint. Now, coming back to this... Subatomic, if you want to know the truth. Say that again? There are many years beneath the atomic that we don't even know about. But go ahead. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. I believe that if we could shrink ourselves to a subatomic scale, we would still, at that scale, have something that it's comparably subatomic to us at that scale. So I completely mm -hmm. agree with what you're talking about. Now, coming to this uh, COVID information and thinking about you have this information of alien life, you have information of government secrets, suppression efforts, you have uh, this COVID information ahead of time. Why is it so important for you specifically to share this information? Why, what, what drives you to want to enlighten people rather than let them live in their consistent ignorance, which is quite vast? <laughs> Great way of putting it. I love that. Well, you know, I've often said to people, my personal mission is to prove the prophecies wrong. And that, of course, needs a little filler to say that if we speak about some of the other prophecies, you'll understand as well why I'd like to prove them wrong. So let us let me go and, and speak about what's a prophecy as opposed to a prediction in the terminology that I, I'm familiar with from this case. It can be different in maybe religiously or in, in some sciences, but here it is that I understand it. A prophecy is a specific warning of something that will occur if human beings don't alter the course. Now, this is not mystical. It's based on the immutable universal law of cause and effect, as are predictions. But predictions are things very often that are going, first of all, a prediction, according to this information, will happen with 100% certainty. It's unalterable. And very often those predictions are things that are outside of the causative realm of human uh, behavior uh, and creation. In other words, it could be something that's coming from space that has nothing to do with us. There are some things coming from space that do have to do with us. I'll get to that too. But let's go back. So, Cause and effect is universal law. And what we're taught in the spiritual teaching that I alluded to, which is not religious or new age or anything, it's literally how thought works, how cause and effect works, how other immutable laws of the universe are at play, and how these factors, when we learn about them and, and test them by implementing and testing, we then determine if that is true information, that is, is it, does this work? And what our own results are as we monitor the thoughts through conscious awareness 
24-7, if possible, of the thoughts that are going on 24-7, the feelings that arise from thoughts, the micro-thoughts that arise from those feelings and the actions we decide to take or not take based on that process. Now, that means, to go back, prophecies. We are told that these people, and uh, meaning these extraterrestrials, and certain human beings throughout history have had the ability either strictly through consciousness or with the aid of certain technologies, including time travel, to see things that would either be leaning towards fulfillment or would happen with certainty. That is the prediction, the thing that will occur with certainty. So when I read some of the early prophetic information. For instance, when in 1986, I read the 1981, the first of two, 1981 and 87, the first time I read was the 81 information from this man stating, in the future, the United States of America will have two terrible civil wars, one following upon the other, and it can't be helped, but that um, di- uh, uh, fanatical sectarian dictatorships will play a part. Now, I have charted my own publication and repetition of these warnings going back to at least 2013, maybe 2011. Uh, I put up a blog recently on my blog. It's right in the first maybe 10 blogs or so talking about the the superpower USA could come to an end after 2020. Now, that was something I referred to because I had also gotten information in 2012 published from this man. It was published online where he spoke about if certain things don't change for the better by 2020, the superpower USA could come to an end. Well, that's a very interesting thing to say. Uh, And I put that in, in 2014. I have that in an, in a film that of mine that's out called and did they listen it's on uh, i think it's on amazon and netflix and other things and in there i'm asked by a woman who and these uh, this was really like a, a film where i'm interviewed by a woman asking questions specifically about all this material in the case it was not scripted i did not know what she would ask and she asked me something about the civil wars in the u.s or however she phrased it and i said well according to this information uh, right around 2020, we're going to see, you know, this whole thing where by that time, uh, we should start to see if the Civil War thing is going to fulfill. We should see evidence of that. Then. Well, <laughs> we we just had. I, I'm only laughing because it's so, you know, it's so bizarre. But all this stuff that happened, uh, it, it, you know, most recently towards the end of and subsequent to uh, the end of of, of 20, you know, 2020, we really saw an awful lot of this. And I'll give you some specifics here, if it's okay. Go for it. Because, okay, so I just yesterday, I think it was, I updated this article because of um, information. We know that these hearings are going on in the government, and you have to understand, I am kind of apolitical. I think politics is enormously stupid. Uh, Democrat, Republican, all, highly agree. Is always I important. highly agree. Okay, so what happened was that in this prophecy that I mentioned from 1981, 
there was a subsequent pu uh, publication of it where he gave some more specific information. And um, I'll read you a couple of the sentences, and then you'll see why. Uh, Yet the misery on earth will continue as two terrible civil wars will break out in America, whereby one will follow the other. The next statement, number 287, afterwards, the United States of America will break apart and deadly hostility will prevail among her, which then leads to the division into five different territories. And here's what I bolded in red. And it cannot be prevented that sectarian fanatics will play a dictatorial role. Okay, so we just saw... Uh, and I'll refer, I, I did that, I linked earlier in, in my update here to a new article where uh, they just were talking about how, how many of the people who were involved in the, you know, the right wing assault, if you will, on the Capitol were, uh, you know, openly, they were professed to be Christians. And I, I don't have anything against Christians. Or Jews. It's just the fact here. Now, there's another thing that I didn't mention in this update. And that is that there, I think they said 240 of these people all had financial difficulties. Well, here's one of the things that has been playing on my mind a bit. When I saw all this stuff with the people and the marching and the, you know, the attacks, it occurred to me that a lot of these people, obviously, and I, I know some people, they didn't go to the Capitol, but they, they shared these points of view that I was trying to, you know, steam clean their brains, but it was too late. Well, anyhow, that you add you put together people who feel disaffected who are struggling economically or financially for whom i have great compassion and then they have these strong messianic uh, you know or fundamentalist religious beliefs and along comes uh, a guy who's the president who pretends to be all about them and hearing their thing. The man is is a psychopath narcissist who only cares about himself and his interests, but he's shrewd. He played these people very well. Um, and so you've got this, this mess where this is a reflection. There's a lot of people in this country, and I said this, I was telling people before, because also to be fair, uh, last year or whatever, there was Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and all this stuff, and many people who took that into very inappropriate levels of, de you know, demonstration and violence. Their cause is, in many cases, at the core of the, the root of the cause. Well, yeah, I get that, but here you've gone and you've done all this violence and you're making all this, you know, this rhetoric and stuff. So, and I said to people, what we haven't seen yet, and we will see it, because I know that the prophecies are right, it's going to fulfill, and you can see it anyhow, you're going to see... The right wing, and please understand, people, I told my friends, the, the the fanatics, the racist ones on the right, there are a lot of good people who are Republicans or Christians. I'm not talking about them. The fanatic, hardcore, right wing, racist, uh, violent prone people who are they are far better prepared because they have been meeting in the woods for a long time and they've been in prisons, the Aryan brothers and all that stuff. These people are hardcore. They've kept somewhat under the, you know, the radar, but this is going to be bad because they will start to come out of the woodwork at certain points and then it will go exponential. Now, what will happen here, You, uh, we can you know, look and watch the events, whether they impeach 
Trump or not, and all these. This is all political because the Republicans are going to sit there and go, well, what what's going to play best for me? If I vote to impeach him, then all the people we know, all the loonies who are going to get ready for another run at the Capitol or wherever, uh, they're going to target me. They were ready to hang Mike Pence. And so, but if I vote against impeachment, so these guys are sit, simply sitting there uh, playing and you know, trying to figure out where their uh, advantage lies. Because politics is not the art of the possible. It's the art of advantage. It's how to fool people into thinking you're giving them something they want when you really are, you know, manipulating something to make sure you get what you want. Okay. So here is the thing that was written in one of the things from Meyer. Uh, and this, I believe, let me see if I want to get the date right on when he had, okay. They were speaking about information that he was given and or observed, if you will. He's writing this, I think, in 1948. At that time, it was uh, speaking about future things. I, th I, I could be wrong, but at, he, referring to what happened with Nixon and all that. At that time, it was the so-called Watergate affair that broke the neck of the U.S. president. And this time, it will be no different when the present U.S. president will be deposed because he, too, will abuse governmental powers in a simple, similar way, trample the U.S. Constitution underfoot and set the world in turmoil. The difference, however, will be that he calls him this funny name translated from the German. The difference, however, will be that trample tramp Trump will be voted out of office by the majority of the U.S. people. Here it comes, even though he himself, as well as his lowly, uh, lowly intelligence, simple minded supporters will organize terror against it. So that was referring not only to what we saw, but to what may yet be coming. Um, um, I got a question. Has uh, Billy ever explained how these uh, life forms know this information? Yes. In uh, So let me give you a – let me <laughs> – this is called according to the information in the case. And by that – I mean that this is something I cannot prove, uh, and you know, time will tell whether it's tr all these things are accurate or not. There's plenty. We've got over 250 specific examples where we already corroborated the published information before the events happened or the discoveries are made. But to answer you specifically, yes, there's a couple ways. He has said that there in the past, some of the prophets of the past who worked with these. Uh, the same race had developed very extraordinarily well-developed consciousness abilities whereby they could foresee certain things deep into the future. They also, these same prophets in, I don't know if it's in all the cases or at least in some, were treated to the travel into the future to see the events. So the secondary answer, consciousness abilities being the first answer, but time travel being the second. And I can give you a fascinating example of that. That was, well, let me just tell you what it is. In 1978, the lead investigator in this case, Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens, along with two private investigators who were friends of his, high level private investigators, corporate level and all, but who were skeptics, 
they were they'd gone to Switzerland to begin their investigation into this case. Now it's 1978, and they're sitting around the kitchen table in Billy's home, the center that he's built here. And he mentions the San Francisco earthquake. And they said, oh, uh, so you mean you want to tell something about the 1906 San Francisco earthquake? And he says, no, no, the coming San Francisco earthquake. And they said, well, what are you talking about? He says, okay, wait a minute. I'll be right back. So he goes out of the room and comes back just a few minutes later with a little yellow Kodak envelope with 11 photographs. And he, he has one hand. So he he opens and he shakes them out on the table and he says, here, you know, spread them out. And you have the three lead investigators and you have the number of the other Swiss people who are working with him, you know, helping him do his thing. And they don't know anything about this until this point either. And they look. And so the lead investigator reports on this subsequently. He says, well, Billy puts these 11 photographs down. We look at them. First of all, they're clearly they're photographs of San Francisco. They're not photographs of paintings or drawings or anything. And the city is in, uh, you know, destruction mode, God, turmoil, smoke and fire. The um, Transamerica building, this pyramidal top of that has cracked and fallen. And there's other buildings have fallen into each other. And we're looking at this and he won't tell us when this is. and we're trying to figure out what can we learn from these photographs to give us an, a clue. And he said the only thing was that the automobiles in these photographs, here we are in 1978, you know, and looking, he said they look different than the photographs of today. Instead of these larger cars with the fins and all that we're familiar with, these are smaller cars. Many of them, are they're much rounder looking with a lot of glass in the windshield. Some of that goes into the roof on some of these cars. They look more like the bug, you know, the Volkswagen bug, but different with the glass and all. And they don't seem to have the outside rear view mirrors. So <laughs> it's this is 1978. Go back maybe now, I don't know, eight years, 10 years or something, when these this development with oh, Toyota, Mercedes, now we've got Tesla and others, where they are getting rid of the outside side side view mirrors for cameras and of course this technology there's certain laws in a place where they have to be able to do certain things but the technology is already there we have the backup cameras in lots and lots of cars but the new technology will have in the corner for the most part in the corner of the windshield you'll have the screen that shows you what's behind you just as if it was an exterior camera well we didn't have that in 1978 and so Billy also has a transcript where he's talking. See, he's every conversation that he's had with these people has been recorded by them. And there's a certain means by which he then gets the conversation and hand types it out in German at up to 100 words per minute with one hand. Pretty nifty feat right there. But in this particular transcript, he's talking to this alleged uh, extraterrestrial man who has taken him forward in time to an unspecified time and uh, and date and they're describing you know San Francisco and he's saying can you get closer over there and look at the the trench the great trench he's referring to the San Andreas fault how it's buckled and how this is destroyed the entirety of San Francisco and uh, it'll have other ramifications up and down the state and farther and so he gets the, the photographs and they supposedly return to 
his time of, I think it actually, uh, you know, 1978 or maybe a little before when he does that, but this was taken in the future. Now, so they've actively sub- showed him the, the events they've taken him personally to witness what's going on. If not told him an account for account case, like he has either somebody verbatim explain what's happening or he's seen it himself. And this is one of only a number of events in the past, as well as the future that he claims he's was taken to, uh, you know, over time and saw. And in this case, these people saw the photos. So it wasn't like you have to only rely strictly on the anecdote, but he was not supposed to have shown them. And when his friends found out, they took the photos back and they said, well, you really shouldn't have done that. And uh, we just have to take the photos back. Um, so so uh, there's always- my question yeah, is then, what motivation do these life forms have to give – Billy or whoever, but in this case, Billy, because he's the one who who who's in question here. What motivation do they have if he's ever mentioned for wanting to share this information, for wanting us to be ready for these events? What benefit do they have for it? Well, here it is. In the simplest sense, they say with life pretty much everywhere, that which is more evolved assists that which is evolving and not at the same level. You don't uh, do things that will impede through uh, interfering with the self-responsibility, but you try to assist so that the evolving life forms can benefit, take self-responsibility, climb up that ladder that you've, you know, you're, you're up a few rungs and you're showing them how to reach the next rung because it's, a, it's an act of love. And w- what they're saying is that when human beings, unlike most of what goes on on this planet, actual real human beings uh, have a, a universal kind of a caring and love and compassion for all life, including fellow human beings, that the meaning of life isn't to climb and clamber over each other in pursuit of pieces of green paper or plots of land or, or silver coins. It's to assist life to evolve and develop, to let it struggle and learn as you have to, as these people have gone through their own and oftentimes extremely bitter and brutal evolution. So they know, and they know that we are at this stage at a crossroads. And of course, they've been preparing. They've known that in many ways that we would come to this crossroads where we would be on the brink of self-destruction from, you know, many causes, uh, contributory causes, but we would be on the brink of self-destruction. And this has been in preparation for a very long time to work with seven prophet contactees dating back over 10,000 years because human beings starting back then, of course, couldn't read or write. And if you did find somebody to whom you could explain things and they would start to explain to people it would be as it was and has been and won't be any longer, but it would be that this information would be corrupted, turned into some religious or cultic belief, would be used to control and punish and murder people, but it would be an inevitable part of this evolutionary pattern that we would get to this electronic age where the same, basically the same teaching, uh, not always the same experiences, but the same teaching would again be brought forward 
and it would be preserved in an unalterable form where it would not be turned into yet another mind-enslaving, brutal, murderous, violence-prone uh, you know, religion or political a tool to manipulate and control people, but it would still not be a you know a walk in the park because at this point, concurrent with this de uh, development, there would be many too many billions of people on the planet, and because of the rampant overpopulation that human beings indulged in, largely also because of the stupidity of the religious go forth and multiply. Nobody ever told told them there was a point at which you stop so that life can be abundant for everybody and you wouldn't be in strife competing for the same resources and polluting everything through the overproduction of life forms that couldn't adequately also be fed and the waste products disposed of and all. So these beings ultimately want us to not self-destruct they're they're not trying to move us forward particularly but rather prevent us from destroying ourselves so that we can move forward yeah uh, that's a good way but they they would like moving forward for us would be an improvement we think that because we have all of these techno toys and people who think that they're scientists because they can work with something in science but they can't think for themselves they think that because this prevalence of instant access to information, but not necessarily knowledge or wisdom, is so prevalent, they would like to see us come into a controlled, productive, peaceful, more natural and organic evolution that we survive ourselves, that we take control of the terrible damage we've done and rectify it on the planet. Billy Myers, the first person, 14 years of age, 1951. He's specifically warning about unnatural man-made climate change, global warming, damage to the ozone. Oh, this is the man who started the whole thing. And now you've got people who think they're involved in the green movement who really know nothing about the real mag magnitude of the environmental destruction, nor do they ever talk about overpopulation. The simple, you know, get an aquarium or, or a terrarium if you want. Put in your you know little plants and life forms, and then start adding stuff to it. In the case of an aquarium, keep adding fish. It kills itself off. Same thing happens in a terrarium. Same thing happens on Earth. But because it's such a hot button, oh, the evil elite want to wipe us out. There, there is truth to that. That's another part of this which we could get to maybe. But that's not what's going on now. What's going on now is we're wiping ourselves out. We have all sorts of radical elements of violent terrorism and, and uh, you know, just every horrific thing. And, and people in mass migrations because they were not self-responsible and because their countries were invaded by ours, where we exploited and robbed and stripped of it, the resources and exploited the people and everything else and left them no better off educationally. So cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Now, are it these uh, are, are these things that are happening, all this negativity that's coming from Earth, is it uh, uh, is there a conflicting force working against the life forms that are trying to uh, educate us and move us forward or hope that we could move forward? Or is there or is it natural to the human condition that it's happening in such a way? 
Well, it's kind of both, but here's the weird part, because only recently was this expanded upon. It was said quite some time ago in this material that this planet is literally enshrouded in a field of negativity. There is something called the Salome Peace Meditation that is done on our behalf by about three point something, two or three billion extraterrestrial humans, and it's done by a few tens of thousands of people on Earth regularly because it is simply like a mantra that's repeated that is intended to help break up this negative shroud, to pierce it, and to bring some you know, positivity back in. But here's the thing. So this was spoken about somewhat, even a few decades ago, and in the late, I think it was the late 80s or early 90s, somewhere, they instituted the Salome Peace Meditation. It's very easy to do. It takes 20 minutes. It's done uh, on two weekends, a total of six times. And it's said to do that. And I, I, now, do I know that that's able to help do that? I don't, but you know what? I'll, I'll toss in 20 minutes a few times on and, and with that intention in mind. Now, here's the other shoe that drops. And I've witnessed some of this. M Billy Meyer writes all of the information, which means all of the spiritual teaching that he transcribes, as well as transcribing all of the contact information from the player. And he does this on his computer, which is not online. This is important. He sits at a computer, not online, and he types this out. And I learned that some time ago, they started to have strange things happening here at the center in Switzerland, included that things that he wrote were being changed and altered, manipulated, erased on his not online computer. When I was there in 2018 and when I was there in 2019, Billy I was talking with him, and he says, come here and look at this. He showed me on his computer. He has a key, His keyboard is the German keyboard. He says, look here, where I have written, you know, the German, and look below. I said, what the hell is that? He says, that's Arabic, and look below that. I said, what's that? That's Albanian. They are cursing me out in these other languages. I don't have a keyboard for them. We're not online. And that's only some of what's happened. There has been strange phenomenon that has gone on there. Uh, and I, I put up a couple blogs where he's talked about that, things that have materialized in, in the office and, and, and other people's computers. Okay. So he had, you know, talking to his friends from outer space, and, and there's some funny conversation about that, but I'll just stick with this, where he said, you know, they started to look into this, and they said, this is the most unusual thing we have ever seen. And they finally got to a place where they're saying, what is occurring here apparently is that there is an AI that has been created. Now, wait on this one. From the millennia, millennia of people of all religions hurling their pleas and their prayers and their entreatments and all skyward, it has formed a negative energy, a negative entity that is like an AI that is filled with this ferocious negativity towards anything that isn't in conformity with the religious mindset and beliefs. And it actually, because of the particular role that he has literally as a prophet and 
this going back in his own genealogy thousands of years, he it is said that he holds a pretty strong energy, and this energy comes against him. This other AI religious energy comes in, and they're trying to figure out exactly how it does it, but it targets and comes into his computer and does other things, drops coins into his uh, desk and, and other bizarre stuff. And if I had not seen this writing on his computer myself, I would go, what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean there's Arabic appearing on your computer or Albanian? Now, this is fascinating. So this is to say that uh, uh, collective human energy uh, accumulated sort of in our atmosphere and in mm -hmm. our stratosphere and uh, surrounds the earth. This energy just started off as normal, low-grade energy and just kept building up, building up, building up over a lengthy amount of time until it eventually developed a consciousness of its own and has its own will and its own force. And it's such an immense amount of energy now that it has the capacity to sort of affect the world. Well, yes, and it's had it for, for some time, actually. Billy uh, spoke about, because it, this comes from the perspective of this material, this religious stuff, especially the fundamentalism that occurs and is present in a number of religions and the fanaticism that develops. Remember, the crusades and the this and that, people being slaughtered by the millions under this delusional you know, obedience, obe obeisance to a, to a god and to a savior. You know, oh, great. That's a wonderful, loving god of love and mercy you got there. This is a very th negative thing that's been in terms of man, human actions around for a while, taking its toll on human life. But the, the energetic of it has formed and indeed this kind of a negative AI. And Meyer spoke even, uh, I remember reading material years ago, he had gone to a particular, it was either a, uh, uh, a monastery or a church or something. You know, he was traveled around the world studying things. And so he almost died from going into the place because the focus of the energy was so thick. It was so negative, And he moved into that field and it attacked him just uh, even on, uh, you know, on a, let's say, a positive negative charge basis. Now, again, nobody has to buy this. I'm just telling you what's in the material. But I saw the stuff on the computer. <laughs> And other people have seen there's a couple little f paper flowers materialized and floated down from his ceiling. We have a photograph of them on my blog. And, and there are people that have said, well, you know, if we hadn't seen this stuff ourselves, we actually, Billy, didn't talk about it too much with even the people around because he thought, I don't want my friends to think I'm crazy until he started to talk a little bit and they see this stuff and they go, how is this happening? So – this is something that's in play here. So you've got time travel. You've got prophecies and predictions and a negative AI around the – well, some of this maybe we can't do anything with. You know, if we, okay, what am I going to do with that? But what can I do with other stuff in here? Well, you can go and I, we can show – I published volumes of this. These specific prophecies and predictions that have come true, these other things – that even going back thousands of years that they foretold that thing about the United States of America having two civil wars that I said he published in 81 and 87. He didn't write that. He was given what's called the Henoch or Enoch prophecies 
in 81 and 87 portions of these prophecies. And that's where it came from, the prophet Enoch, who said these things in his own terms over 10,000 years ago. And other things about the coming war now, between the United States and Russia. I'm sorry, go ahead. This is to say that there there's always a sort of prophet of this type then. So Billy is the current one. So then I got a couple of questions. Is is Billy the only one at this moment or are there others? And then the other question is, if Enoch was the same, he might have been in contact with beings of the same type, if not the same beings. Uh, this is to say that it, it, after Enoch's life, a uh, replacement uh, prophet comes to play in which he's a new person who they communicate with to continue this sort of working together. Because if they've been doing it for such a large time, there's always somebody. Has there ever been more than one? Or is it just in these two periods that it's just Enoch and Billy? Or how is this sort of distributed? Okay, good questions. Great questions. And let me give you the, the genealogy, if you will. Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, Muhammad and Billy. Well, who's wait a minute? Go back. Ima, who's Emmanuel? All right. According to the information in the case, my favorite statement here: there never was a man named Jesus Christ. He never walked the earth. There was a man about whom that fictitious character was, you know, who was based, and that man was called Emmanuel. So, according to this information. Emmanuel was the prophet of that time 2,000 years ago. And they don't go sequentially, you know, this guy dies and the next one's there automatically. There's gaps, uh, sometimes hundreds or maybe more years between. Especially if you go back, you've got, you know, Enoch, Elijah, Je uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, and Muhammad and Billy. So what's this about no Jesus Christ? Well, all you have to do to start to follow that one down is two things. One. You try and find a biography written about a man named Jesus Christ. It doesn't exist. Now, do we have religious texts alluding to Jesus or Yeshua? Yes, but those are not biographies. Those are religious texts. And they were all written long after the events that took place, which didn't take place, in Jerusalem and other parts of the world, Middle East, took, you know, 2,000 years ago. Well, so if you go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah, uh, what is that, 114 or 714, 714, I think, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Then you go to the New Testament, Matthew, 123 or so, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. You won't find it anywhere else. Everything's Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and there's no Jesus Christ whatsoever in the Old Testament. So how the heck? Well, according to this information, Emmanuel is the, the, the man, the prophet upon whom this is based, that there is a writing called the Talmud Emmanuel, and that this document is in 1964 discovered by Billy Meyer and a Greek Orthodox priest named Isa Rashid, who were led uh, the, the leading is through Billy telepathically to a place that actually I think Issa Rashid had noticed before. It was on the outskirts of old Jerusalem, a kind of a burn or a hillside. There's like a hole in the side of it. So they dig their way in. Uh, they, you know, they 
clear it out enough that they can get themselves inside. They've got flashlights. And they find themselves in what is clearly an ancient tomb. There are stones that had been placed on the, the dirt ground. There's stones all over the place and whatever else is there. And Meyer, because of things that he had learned earlier in his life, knows that it's time to start lifting the stones and looking for some things. And he finds, in addition to some little figurines that are made of clay and a piece of gypsum, he finds, along with Issa Rashid, they find resin-encrusted, animal-skin-wrapped scrolls, uh, sheets of, uh, I don't know if it's a papyrus or what exactly, it's a sheets of, that are scrolls written in Aramaic. Hmm. Well, Billy, I don't think, reads Aramaic, but it just so happens that this Greek Orthodox priest reads Aramaic and also can read and write in German. No accident, but this is how it goes down. So he's entrusted with the scrolls back then in 64, and he's instructed to please translate and send Billy the German translations. He spends about, I think, a six-year period or so working off and on trying to keep this quiet because this is clearly going to be something a bit remarkable. And he sends Meyer about, a, I think, a third or so of the translated scrolls at that time. And he says, look, I don't know if I'll get to the rest. I have to leave and take my family because there are some powerful people here who have found out that I have something of interest. So he and his family flee from Jerusalem, and they make their way into Lebanon. And they hide themselves for a while, but they secure the scrolls in the walls of one of the buildings in this refugee uh, encampment to which they have, uh, you know, found their way. Just coincidentally, about a week later, the Israeli uh, Air Force and Armed Forces devastate that village and bomb it to smithereens. And this man, Issa Rashid, is the name he went by, and his family escape with their lives. The scrolls are destroyed. The, he, Meyer has received already the, the translations from him, such as they are. And it, the, he and his family make their way out of Lebanon, and they ultimately end up in Iraq. And they... Uh, Meyer learns, I think, in 1974 through other people that apparently he and his family had been found and machine gunned to death by the Mossad. Okay, so Meyer's got these translations, and he you know, tries to clean the German up a bit, and he publishes it back in about, I think, 1978 or 90, somewhere in there, the first publication in German of the Talmud. Emmanuel spelled with a J in this case. And then somewhere around 1990, the English, first English language translation is published. It attracts the attention of a professor of comparative religion and meteorology at Oregon State University named Professor James Deardorff, who's a biblical scholar and all the rest. And he says, aha, another Bible hoax. Let me add it. So he spends about a year, year and change, and he publishes his own book celestial teachings and kind of the condensed version of it is he has determined from his own study here that the Talmud of Manuel is the actual teaching upon which the book of Matthew is based it resolves 
over 300 inconsistencies that have troubled scholars, some of which were not even uh, made public until after the discovery of this book. He went line by line through it, and his declaration was this is the original writing uh, and teaching of this man, Emmanuel, who clearly never was named Jesus. And he got into investigating the UFO aspect and all this stuff. He's passed away some years ago, but he has a wonderful website up where you can read all the stuff and his determination on it. So that it, it took a couple translations uh, to get the German correct, because apparently Issa Rashid also had some deeply held religious beliefs that didn't quite allow him to say certain things in his translation. He fudged around, but they straightened it out. And that book is out, and it's uh, the final translation of it. So Now, we, how we, far back do these texts go? Like, what the earliest uh, uh, received information from the uh, from these life forms, uh, giving us knowledge, giving us information, uh, what's the furthest back we know? Sure. Um, interestingly enough, there was a small, uh, I, a small bit of a, a scroll or some ancient writing that came into be possessed by a man, I think, in the UK many years ago, and he somehow connected it to Meyer and he sent it to him, and it is somewhere. Uh, I'm wondering if it's on the future of mankind. It, it's it's like a little notation that's given, and that no, the notation explains a lineage of prophets. And uh, let's just see if here. Oh, God, that's not it. So it's a lineage of, of prophets that um, on which all these people's names were written. And also written is the name. I hear this might be it. Ah, yeah, here we go. Uh, okay, so I, I'll tell you what it is. And I'll be able to, you know, show you where stuff is later it's it's a thing that's got a bunch of really weird writing to it and um it says a photo of ancient lyran or lyrian script scanned uh on page 310 of the german version of this and it reads there was a prophet who was the prophet enoch which was elias or elijah i guess who was an important prophet of the spirit of the Lord, whose name was Moses, who was a leader of the earth humans as Eliah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, Muhammad, and Billy, spelled B-I-L-L-I, interestingly enough. This spirit will reincarnate as a prophet who will be born as a teacher of cosmic law, and he will enter the human race as one Billy, who is one Edward Meyer, who will be a teacher of the spirit. He walks in the light of spirit. Now, all we know is that this, and there probably is some more information in one of these links, this thing, when you look at it, it's not, you're not looking at something in German, you're looking at something in a very strange script, but it's quite like that. And somewhere in there, you can actually make out what would be Billy, what would be the name Billy. And um, there isn't a lot more information except that somehow a private collector came in contact uh, with this, came in possession of this thing, and that Meyer had the Playaren, uh, the pardon me, the Lyran language script translated for him into German. So uh, beyond that, I, I cannot, I cannot, you know, tell you that it is this or that or the thing. Or no, that's it's, perfectly it's fine. Kind of... uh, one thing that sticks out to me is the possibility that whichever one of these was the first of these prophets selected by these advanced life forms had already visited Billy before he was even uh, uh, 
ready for this himself. Like somebody came from the past to their future, which was Billy's present at whatever time. And that's how they knew his name to then make the notation in the first place. Whoever this person was visited every other future prophet to then make a list of the prophets that would be there. Well, let me, uh, let me try and make some sense of it, but I want to read what is here. I found it. And this is a quote uh, from it. Okay. A Mr. Jim Crowley from England secretly photographed an ancient document that is in possession of a noble private collector. And he sent Billy photos and negatives and asked him whether he, Billy, or the playaron could decipher the letters. According to his information, the noble Englishman purchased the partially burnt document together with other specimens in Egypt decades ago. Billy immediately recognized the old Lyran script, which he still was able to master rather well, and therefore, I didn't know that, could translate the document in, uh, into German with Patah's help, Patah being one of the alleged ETs. According to the Patah, the original document is more than 8,000 years old. So let's look at what the point that you'd raised about, well, somebody must have been able to do this or that, right? Well, yes. And this is where it gets it gets so interesting and so wild that for people who want to look into the Meyer material, you may want to set things aside to, well, what can you prove and what is still speculative? Because I do that so that I can tell people, well, this is what is said. Um, and, you know, uh, there we go. Uh, I want to see if there's an in there's a, another note here. If this is, yeah. I see, uh, this, I'm, I'm just so blown away by what you just read, though, because it said that Billy recognized it. Like, he'd already seen it. He'd already witnessed this in one form or another for him to recognize something he was seeing for the first time, according to him. Or at least he was seeing well, it for the first time, according to the timeline. Well, this next translation, which was the refined translation, may answer that. It has been said in the prophetic sentence of the herald Enoch or Henoch, he in his mission as prophet will be, or meaning live again in repeated lives in multiple reincarnations as most important herald of the teaching of the spirit as they are given in the laws of creation and brought and announced to the earth human on Terra, I guess that's Terra, by the guardian angels from the stars of Lyra and Vega. The herald Henoch says, I am the herald of truth, and in this mission, I will live again in important times by the names Eliah, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, Muhammad, Billy. And so I will serve the human beings as a prophet among seven times before the change for the compliance with the laws and commandments and recommendations will take place in their thinking and conviction. So I will live in reincarnation in the new time when space will be conquered and when the guardian angels from foreign stars will appear once again. My reincarnation in that time will be as Billy and with the name Edward Meyer, and I will dwell in a land of peace in the north, which will be called Switzerland. The human being they may 
Then they listen to my voice so he may be led into the light of the teaching of the Spirit. Now, let me give you background to that. Here's where the other shoe, oh, this guy must have 20 shoes here, but another shoe drops. We have as information in this case the following, that this mission, if you will, we call it that at times, this mission, began long, long, long ago, not just for this earth, but we go back millions and more years to another part of the universe where there is a leader whose name is given as Nokodemion at that time. He is a powerful, highly developed and advanced leader of peoples. He teaches them the ways, the laws and recommendations of the creation, that which we call the universe or spirit or whatever, so that they may learn to live in accordance with that for the betterment of their evolution. And while evolution requires mistakes and errors, that they would understand and learn how to best attain the better evolution through aligning themselves as much as possible through evolution with the laws and creations uh, and commandments of creation, the laws and recommendations. Now, it is said that this being Nocodemian evolves over a very long period of time to the level where he passes from the purely physical body to the semi-physical, semi-material body in what is known as the High Council in the Andromeda Galaxy. Again, this is not a religious thing. It's supposedly how things work. And from there, over a very long period of time as well, that being, that spirit form, moves into the completely non-material first levels of the creational spirit that's called the Arahat Athersata level. And this is a level when spirit forms have evolved over countless millions millions and millions of years this is so complicated that, and fascinating you you're telling me that we have in billy the same sort of reincarnated energy that existed inside of emmanuel and inside of enoch and it, so so there was no time travel for them to be aware of the future prophets but rather they are the literal same entity in a different form they are the evolved uh, their spirit is the evolved spirit of the preceding prophet and all of those spirits are the here's where the other shoe drops once in that uh, area called or that level called the arahat athersata where these are consciousness and spirit forms uh, that have a sense of personality but they are non-material that spirit form that was known as nocodemion volunteers due to circumstances in our universe volunteers to go back into the creational human cycle, especially to first act as a prophet for the peoples that his last personality as Nocodemian had uh, engendered and left because these people had lost the way. They had deteriorated in many ways, degenerated. They had a lot of high tech, 
and abilities, but they now had gone into embarking on conquering other worlds and enslavements and things that are just off, you know, clearly, because you can be very highly evolved and still take that evolution and those abilities into the wrong level. The people of today were more evolved technologically than any of the prophet's times. And but our consciousness is for all that we've been able to man, manifest technologically, we're, we're warring and terrorizing each other. So this is just what this is, you know, evolution. It's a crapshoot. We have to keep ourselves in check. Well, he actually that spirit form goes back and it uh, incarnates. I think it incarnated then as a prophet Henok H-E-N-O-K it will then reincarnate as Henok and Enoch there's, there's a lot of information about that it's almost like you can't tell the players without a scorecard but basically he goes back and he creates something called the Global Peace Combat Force and what that means is he creates because he's moving back into this high tech world with these people as his first mission if you will he creates a, an android as well as human, but an android fighting force that will operate in accordance with the laws of creation to bring under control those people who are warlike and, ter and doing terrorism and enslaving and stuff, and whenever possible to bring them under control so they can be brought to a kind of an imprisonment for their own evolution, not with the uh, idea that you're going to start hanging people and are these them are these possible. androids unrelated to the greys completely unrelated and i can i'll give you that too as best i know it this is going back still now a very long time hundreds of thousands to even millions of years here i don't have the exact i, I probably can find if uh, where that exact thing will be but uh, so just so you understand this is um not connected to the greys this is from an, that whole thing those are androids that come basically from the zeta reticulum uh, area they are not at all connected into um connected to that whole drama that we're talking about now and just so you know there is a place uh, on one of the websites where they talk about uh nocodemia the steer the spirit form uh when he, you know just a lot of chronology. So actually, it's said that about 110 million years ago, that spirit form came back to the from that Arahat Atharsata level to try to re, you know redirect his people to a you know rationality and and and, and all that good stuff. Now, this whole thing goes on for some time, and in there you will find there is the uh, you know, there's the whole chronologies about when uh, some of the first uh, space travelers from the white race, from the black race, from the Asian races came and did some interbreeding here with indigenous earth people and, you know, then propagated these races. And it's just a fascinating read of stuff. Okay. So, um, we, again, what are people going to do with this? Well, that's up to each person to, to decide. But what happens is they utilize the technologies to create these, you know, uh, this, uh, what do you call it, uh, combat peace force to 
to redirect things. But the whole thing is never in the teaching of creation, the spiritual teaching. It's not about going out and annihilating other life forms. Self-defense is certainly allowed, and it's actually not just a right, it's a responsibility that we have to protect ourselves and others, but it should be only with weapons as a last resort and as a last, last resort that lives get taken because perpetrators leave no other you know, option for defenders. And then there is no, you know, it's regrettable, but you're not doing something that is just really so gross and against the laws of creation. Every creature in creation has a means of self-defense. It's got claws, poisons it secretes. It can run and, or fly. Now, if I can or, cut in real quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like the the problem in all of this is the fact that there's an incredibly efficient suppression effort of any of this information happening by uh, based on everything you've said i can only argue it would be uh the the pushers of religion who are uh, trying to suppress the information and the advance the advancement of philosophic thought and true scientific advancement rather than just the measly things we consider to be scientific advancement and so so that's that's essentially to say that the the entire church construct is designed to sort of suppress maybe not the people who follow it because they're not part of the bigger picture but they're the ones being essentially fooled by this uh complicated system designed to capture the minds of people, control them, have them behave as they would want. And in a situation like that, uh, assuming that most of this dates, if, if we follow the fact that there's an Old Testament, there is something that goes way back. So there's history that's coming all the way from the beginning of when these things began, that there was already a suppression effort. That's to say that we are not winning by simply being passive, being... This wouldn't this be the place that we should be defensive, that we should get aggressive, that we should rise up, that we should have pick up arms and do what we have to to make our stand against this infinitely powerful as much as it seems. They have an overpowered AI that's working in their favor. They have their own means of tricking the population and of uh, suppressing knowledge and of controlling people. It seems like if any moment being aware of this now would be the moment to make moves and actively try to prevent this attack on people by attacking back as aggressive as we'd have to get to do it. Don't, don't you agree? Well, you've really, I mean, you're really hitting on a lot of uh, cylinders. I, I want to make a few little bit of, you know, dis distinctions uh, to it because in many ways, yes, but there's certain things where we'd have to say, well, no, but let's find out what we're talking about here. Um, What's you've just hit on such a massively important thing. I mean, that's why I want to take a, a minute to, uh, you know, compose my own brain here. All right. So here's the deal. Um, one of the things that was told to Meyer some years ago was that had the library at Alexandria not been burned, we as a world of people would be space travelers as of 200 years ago. That the damage done by the destruction of ancient documents and truth and knowledge, as well as every other crazy thing that's been done in the name of religion, is so severe, it keeps us in a kind of separation that is deadly, 
keeps us in ignorance. We would have literally been a space-traveling planet 200 years ago. Now, so you've hit on this whole thing. You, you, you've actually you've nailed it. This is this massive gestalt that is composed of many fac- factions, all trying to con- keep or consolidate power and control is what keeps people enslaved and in many cases willingly without really knowing through religion and through politics. And so what's the choice? Now, even one of Meyer's contact people, uh, the second female who contacted him in 1975, said the people have to rise up against this. But that is something that is not about running out in the street and starting to burn things down or attacking people. You have to understand that the the knowledge of the suppression isn't with the masses of people. Now, there are many people who contribute really terrible negative energy through fundamentalist, you know, religious beliefs and antagonism towards other people of other beliefs or no beliefs. There's lots of, you know, stuff that goes on, but because humankind has collectively allowed this mess to go, like Billy, you know, people said to Billy, well, why don't the player come and do the, they said, listen, some of their ancestors were some of the gods here. That's also why this group, you know, tries to help because they know that there were among their own ancestors. Some of them were these lords and, and, and you know, and not only this, their race, there were others, but, and so they tried up, but they said, listen, it's true. You know, we have a self-obligated mission to try to help, but the people of Earth should have been a lot smarter than to buy into these fairy tales. Uh, let's take, you know, I mean, you know, a, a god of love and mercy who tells his followers who I'm speaking to somebody, you know, who's who's in my background, you know, people who could. They weren't ever religious, but they were, you know, Jewish. They escaped because the Nazis regarded them as Jews. That was good enough. So I, when I finally cracked open the Old Testament because I'd read things in the Meyer material, I thought, oh, what is this, Nazis from outer space? They can't be serious. And then I crack it open, and I'm running into Jehovah, the God of love and mercy, telling the gypsies and thieves and the rest who he brought together to convince them they were a people. Uh, yeah, this will be your home over here. Kill every man, woman, child, and infant in their mother's arms without mercy. I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. Then we get over to Christianity. Isn't that a delight? Yes, there was a, a savior was born 2,000 years before you were, who died for your sins that you hadn't been born yet to commit. Doesn't that make sense? And of course, his mom was a virgin, and it's I mean, it's like the play arms. You people, you're in, you bought this crap. Now, here's the thing: I went to a presentation by an atheist about a, eight years ago, maybe, because I was curious. We're not theists, and we're not atheists, so there's another realm where you're not referring to yourself. But I wanted to hear this guy. He's a professor at Oregon State. And I, I don't know if his name will come to me, uh, Bogosian, Peter Bogosian. So he was saying to his audience, I'm sitting in there, 
funnily enough, they, they rented a church to hold this atheist meeting, and I laughed about that. So he had cards that he, he wanted his atheist followers to hand out to people. He he was as much of a you know religious in his thinking about atheism because, but he had one good thing that I took away from that evening because he said to all these people, he says, look. Don't try and tell people to not believe in God or this or that. That's not the way to do it. What you do is you ask people, how did you ever come to believe this? And I, I thought that was a brilliant. How did you ever come? Because most of the time, and then I came up with my own summary. If you ask somebody, well, how, how do you, why do you believe it? Well, this teaching is true. This, because what this book says is true, because this book says it's true. And as I said, you cannot take that into a courtroom. You can't even take it into kindergarten. And yet all sorts of good people simply buy into, well, it's true. What this book says is true because this book says it's true. That's what any of these – But the, prob the problem we have is that so many people believe it and so many people are caught in this sort of ignorance. They think these things are true and they're successfully brainwashed by these organizations that without force and action will never be able to release them by, by – Dropping the information in front of them after they've been brainwashed to believe this other thing. There's nothing we could do to convince them of what contradicts what they already believe. I think that's why it's important for people to, as as anti-peace as it might be, it, it, it would be important for the collective humanity. It would be important for the advancement of us as a whole to stop stagnating ourselves by forcefully removing the things that are stopping us from moving forward in the first place. Well, according to the information in this case, they don't recommend forcing, trying to convert people, proselytizing. They say, look, if somebody asks, uh, somebody's interested, you can show them the information or tell them uh, where the information can be uh, found. But it's, it's an invasion. You know, it's just it's the very thing that you don't want to be done to you by religious people that you would then be doing. And that like it or not, we have a very long period of time here and they've told how long it'll be and all the rest of this before human beings of Earth come to their senses. We can remember cause and effect. We can't just obviate or eliminate or, or roll over anything just because. We, we could be right as right. Oh, this is the truth. Wonderful. But you can't go and, and roll over people. You can't do to them that very thing that we sure don't want to, to be done to us. And so it's a painstakingly long process. There are some good things to people can do, such as, you know, don't attack and inflame people because of their beliefs because quite frankly there's going to be a you know this country is going to be broken up through this you know political religious uh, warfare and uh, to to learn to study and free oneself from all the beliefs conscious and unconscious that we all carry from millennia of this stuff being pumped into the atmosphere, literally, this is the task of each person. And to cultivate, you know, true love, peace, freedom, harmony in ourselves, to, to live 
moment by moment, whether we're totally alone wherever we are, or we have people we live with, to cultivate that so that we can truly begin to get this thing straightened out. But the fact of the matter is, it isn't going to happen overnight or anything resembling it. There will be, and there is a growing awareness. It's small. There's, I have people that have visited my website and blog from 207 countries. I get emails from people from literally Mongolia, Iran, India, Norway, you name it. So it's, And these are people that have found the material. Well, the last thing I want to tell them to do is go out and start, you know, taking a stick to the front door of your local church. It's not productive. And people... It, Meyer's written about this even recently about how built in to these religious beliefs is a great propensity for violence. And it is very present in fundamentalist Christianity, fundamentalist Judaism, and fundamentalist Islam. It's there. And each of these major religions, and you'll find it even, you know, in other, uh, you know, fundamentalist sects. Uh, and cults that have uh, derived from Hinduism, even Buddhism is no longer, you know, violence free. And it is this, Billy simply calls it God delusion and God delusion insanity. But to, we're not atheist um, proselytizers. We're simply saying if we've come upon something that we think holds truth and we want to pursue the study of it, then let's do it in peace and in love and freedom and harmony. And that means literally seeing – Billy has said if you want to see this thing called the creation, if you want to see life, the creation, in all things, look. see, Look at nature and look at each human being as a carrier of this part piece, this immortal – human spirit that's a part piece of this creation itself this universe itself so don't allow yourself you can't harbor hatred against any of the creation look uh billy has had 23 attempts on his life i've interviewed witnesses to 14 of them he's had attempts kidnapping his children he's been vilified for decades by vicious people religious and non-religious he's uh one of the attempts on his life, he had a dream. I think I'm matching this up right. And he put a, a little agenda book with a metal plate in it in his jacket right over the heart area. And I think it was a woman who popped up. Oh, he was taking a walk somewhere. She popped out and point blank shot him. And then she ran away. And all that. she got in touch with him later. Uh, listen, I, uh, you know, oh, gosh, I feel bad. And she was a very religious person or something, as have been a number of people who tried to kill him. And. He said, well, you know, I, I understand. And she said, can I see, you know, could I see you? I want to apologize. Well, yes, of course. Come over, blah, blah. And this has happened with people. This guy, I mean, he's not a goody-goody two-shoes. This man walks the talk. And he knows that each person, whether they are nice to him or not or to anybody else or blah, these are fellow human beings and they're – they are not to be persecuted, violated, uh, you know, they must be. That's why when they teach for what we need now in terms of what they call the peace combat troops, a true international peace 
combat force that takes control and possession of terrorists and you know demo, you know these kind of demonic uh, leaders who lead people into war and all the rest. and and so you take them under control and you try not to harm them you remove them if they've been if they're convicted of being guilty of certain things they're removed to a same sex environment where they live out their lives no technologies you know just how you can feed yourself here and all of the teaching about how life works so that they have it at their disposal and they have then their own conscience to deal with to to struggle with coming into balance with the help of the materials if they want them so they can understand where they have gone astray where they were now this won't happen with everybody and there are times when they say if this peace combat force which is armed comes to take people in, into un, you know under arrest or whatever you call it, if they start fighting and shooting with well and if they and if there's firefights where these people are killed if they can't be subdued otherwise then that is what happens but it is not to create this big armed force that comes in and is bombing everybody and terrorizing people it's it has to be developed so that it's drawn equally from all countries and no one country is the control for it it is set up so that the control for it is drawn from all participating armed forces from all countries this is what we go back to this whole thing with the Nocodemian peace combat troops. That's how they settled it. That's how they, you know, got control of all this renegade stuff and the people who were violent. And these are, you know, a lot of these people were, uh, you know, Star Wars on steroids. They are able to travel through space and attack other worlds and stuff. And they did it. So even these play Aaron, uh, gave Billy information about how they settled their own peace in their world 52,000 years ago because they had fallen into craziness and they even elected a couple people as God and goddesses. And they were, I mean, they said, look, you know, we went through this insanity. So it's not like we're looking down on you. It's this some is inferior being. very, very fascinating. So the, the ultimate goal would be to have a decentralized version of these teachings and this information so that rather than forcing any individual, there's a collective awakening that happens as the information becomes more widespread, making it impossible for a singular leader to take over. Because if it was centralized in a country, or centralized in a region, they could decide what the teachings are rather than it being a collective knowledge that's shared amongst everybody without a sort of snakehead. And it's being disseminated that way right now as we speak. See, it is studied now by small independent groups, by individuals as well. Uh, when it was still possible, we were having uh, in-person meetings. For instance, here in Arizona, we were having meetings and people came from other states, from all over the country. And now we do it online. And there are still uh, groups that are, uh, you know, based in other locales that are having their own online meetings that they invite people to. So the beauty of it is that this is a leaderless group. This means that the people who are studying are in a kind of peer study relationship with each other, but they're being really accountable to make sure they don't misrepresent or misunderstand things. They question of each other. They refer to where they can find the information and the teaching. And because it's not a dogma, really says, or this one said, where it's about this is the, you know, these are the teachings and recommendations 
of spirit, of the creation, whatever you want to call it. So, well, let's look at that. And how does that work? And why is that? Why does that make sense? And people then speak about their own experiences, what they're learning, what they're still questioning, what they don't know, what they want to know. This is you're on you're on it. And the thing that may surprise you is eventually they do see that we will need a true global government, but that is not a political governmental form, but it is led by, as they have it in their worlds, the play iron have it, the spiritual leaders of their world who have no special perks that they don't get to have what the regular populace doesn't. They are there to uh, help uh, settle in, you know, information in to provide teaching, to do counsel for people to, because you, it, like, I'm not somebody who loves structures of governments, but they say you need structures that work to keep something functioning, but it must be in a non-hierarchical non-dictatorial means and you have to have people who are the higher they said in your world you're never going to get leadership from the top down anymore it's way too late for that it's corrupted and gone and you will have to fight for the truth it's not that you don't won't fight for it, but just don't get rushed to be a revolutionary to destroy something the real revolution, I used to, I was on A&M Records many years ago, and I it was just a brief type, and I had to write a PR thing for myself, and I didn't even know it. And I said, my thing is, my slogan is, the revolution begins within. Well, that is how it begins. I didn't know any much about it at the time. I thought it sounded good. But that's where it begins. You see, what they're saying is, as the individual studies the spiritual teaching, the advice and recommendation of the creation and struggles with it and tests it and makes their mistakes and has their epiphanies and must always be striving. This is another law of the universe about striving. Without striving, there's no life. Without life, there's no striving. But as you strive on that evolutionary level and you strive to bring your consciousness and your understanding of consciousness and spiritual teaching into everything you do and in every relationship, it means this is a slow process, but this builds to eventually realize itself in a world of consciously evolved, spiritually focused human beings. And they also there's things that you might find surprising. They recommend for the most part, each race should develop itself, each culture, and it shouldn't be just generically mixed. It doesn't mean that there can't be mixings that a person of this rate doesn't find this attraction needs to be with another that's fine but to what happens when we force mis mixings or we think that multiculturalism is the answer we dilute all the cultures and we we destroy that which the evolutionary path for each culture has created is creating a destiny that fulfills itself in its own beauty in its own time it doesn't mean you can't here and there, these things, because it's actually necessary. Billy also writes about that. It strengthens the bloodlines for the occasional interminglings that then bring forward something new. But when you just kind of mix all the cultures together, where is the culture? It's yeah. gone. America is not a culture. See, that right? makes sense. Kind of that makes sense. Uh, because if you were to mix all the cultures you'd have this sort of one uniform thing that lacks a diversity that made particular subgroups beneficial yes. in certain circumstances 
That's right. And that's why the cry, when people cry about the diversity, well, diversity is neither good nor bad. We want to not seg segregate or suppress uh, the, the the qualities that come from the differentiations, the diversity in humankind. But we mustn't say we must have diversity in this and in this. And that. Why don't we just say we need excellence? So if that means that we then focus on making sure that all education is education based in excellence with equal opportunity, then people from any and all groups or races or cultures who are attracted to learning, whether it's medicine or it's it's aerospace or it's archaeology or you name it, that means people come in from any and all races or groups to study things that are made equally available so that you get the best and the brightest through their own self-determination and striving are going towards it. And there's no holding back the education. You don't keep one race from having education and benefits and all the good things of life. It's just criminal, literally. I mean, racism is a crime. It's one of the deepest crimes against humanity. And Meyer, and, and they've written about this for the longest time. And, uh, you know, we don't need extraterrestrials to tell us how brutal and unfair that is. But we need common sense. We need to say, well, wait a minute. It isn't um, just wonderful if we mix it like you just said, because, OK, you get now you get this mushed culture that ha doesn't have that those wonderful distinctions. Yeah, they like the benefits. They like the benefits of the respective cultures. I, I can yes. completely understand this idea that if in, in a crucial moment, let's say some sort of tragedy happens in which we required that one specific ability that was quite dominant in this area, we would have watered it down simply because of wanting to over-diversify and have sort yep. of almost removed our solution that was given to us by nature itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love it because you get it. And I mean, you're putting it in great terms, too, because this is the whole thing. And this is why when you've got these these trendy things that happen in society, trend left, trend right. Oh, uh, social justice warriors and, uh, uh, you know, diversity training. And this, well, wait a minute. Why don't we just settle down and look? What are the qualities that we're trying to enhance? Not suppress. What are we looking to help improve? Because we have universal, true, universal love for all creation and certainly for all human beings. We don't want to to dominate this this mad rush for advantage. I need to amass more than I can ever utilize in my life, more than I could ever shove yeah, food down I, my own throat. I don't get it either, but I fully understand. It's 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 about preserving what does already exist. It's not about uh, yeah. mixing and getting rid of what makes us special in the first place. It's about preserving those things so that for the future, we have those characteristics to offer a society, to offer a a bigger picture rather than getting rid of them and everything being on a baseline with no benefit in sight and everybody sort of there's no reason in any individual if all individuals are equal at all times nobody stands out nobody's special there's nothing to offer there's no right. characteristic that makes you you 
and it's unnatural because the truth in life is we are of Meyer's written article to be of equal value. Each human being is intrinsically of equal value, but we're not of equal ability, equal accomplishment, equal any number of things. Different so but equal. We, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Different but equal. Yes, that's right. Different but equal intrinsically. And so you see the the liberal left, it's very funny. When I think back on my, my father, you know, I was a teenager and I didn't quite understand you know my father was more of a Jewish person not religious and he had a lot of, and he so he was more on the democrat liberal left side but he I remember him talking about the hypocrisy of liberals I said what are you talking about he says you know how so many of the you know my liberal friends they think that they are uh, supporting the black man in his fight for freedom and all this and he says they're just condescending and guilt-ridden and they 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 don't really see equality there. And I said, huh? I, I didn't get it at the time. And I thought later I got it because I saw how politics works because a lot of the left, hey, there's some great people that have been, if you want to say, well, where were they? They were on the left. They're great people that have been on the right. But a lot of people uh, pushed things where it was their own guilt and their own lack of honesty where they wouldn't deal with people person to person, forget the race. They did it also from a racial perspective. I'm going to help this poor person here. And that's a condescension. It's a subtle thing. There's beautiful things that came out of civil rights movement, the con contributions of people who were, were a lot of good Jews, and, the, and there were a lot of good Christians in it, and a lot of good, probably a lot of good atheists who just saw the injustice, but who weren't condescending. But my dad saw a lot of people, and I remember this period back in the 50s and 60s, and I, I could smell it later. I got it. So we, if we're honest with ourselves and each other, this thing, we're of equal value, different abilities, different accomplishments, different goals, different gifts that we bring to life. And so that we don't look at life through the prism or the filter, whether it's race or this gender thing or anything else. It's like, People talk about, you know, I know a lot of people don't like me for having these. People talk about gay pride. And I, my thing is, I don't have any pride in being heterosexual. Just be, I, I don't blame you for wanting to be left alone and not persecuted because you have a different orientation. Gosh, that's the worst thing in the world. But I don't know if we need to have parades about pride in our genders or genitals or how we relate to those that we you know, have intimacy with. It's almost to me sacrilegious to use that silly word here. In a way, it's like, why I bring this to the public? Let's get everything so that there isn't discrimination and persecution for people who are different than you yeah, are, that actually you are, you know. that makes a lot of sense because you you want to if you have to have pride about it, that means that it's not been normalized to the point that it's an afterthought. You, yes. you want to get it to the point that you don't have to make a point about it, that it's just so normal, nobody considers it at all, but rather we aim in the wrong direction and make an entire spectacle of any little detail that we ever experience instead of trying to normalize it. We don't normalize it. We, we aim every possible light at it. Yes, and 
gosh, I mean, that's that's just it. Letting and that lets people be who they are. And then people who are let alone to be who they are don't feel the need in, in defense of themselves or, you know, some kind of an action where they need to end up justifying to themselves that they're OK. I, you know, no, you are. We're all who we are human beings. And yes, it's a, we still have a ways to go for all that. But this is how I see a lot of the social things through the understanding of the universality of life and the oneness of human being. Billy has something where he talks about love is the certainty of the knowledge of the interconnectedness of all things and beings. Okay. I'll, I don't have a problem with that. That puts me at peace. Yeah. That certainty, the interconnectedness of all things and all people. I'll be, we see the differentiation of one thing in life, but it's, it's one thing, and it has its unique differences and unique qualities so that we can learn and evolve and, and grow from it. But we, we, we're not here to hate, to, you know, to punish like that and, and be irrational. And where did we get that? Religion, politics, and other whatever crazy offshoots. So this thing of the Billy Meyer UFO case, it's not fundamentally about UFOs. It's not even about extraterrestrials. The core of the case is the spiritual teaching. It's got every matter of kind of thing about everything in life you could ponder and ask about things that we cannot prove it's true or it's false. Time travel and Billy, you know, has already in 1948 was shown the COVID epidemic. Well, why did he say something and why the you know all the questions and everything? But that's what makes this thing so darn interesting. If we focused on nothing but, you know, pretty much the the spiritual teaching, we would see in that the the need for real environmental consciousness, the need for real uh, social consciousness of a certain kind, because it's not politicized, it's not uh, hierarchical, it's not the purview or domain of only one person or group. It's about us. It's all of us. I, I I did a song of my. I wrote a song a few years ago, and I I wanted to get back to my song, so I put the song up on uh, YouTube. I just share the words with you. There have been those throughout the ages who have come here to enslave us, offering promises of power without love. And though only love can save us, it is looked for by the bravest inside of us as well as from above. In our fight for liberation, we endured great deprivation, but our patience, strength, and courage, we did trust. Let the righteous band together, for the truth will stand for other, forever. Each one of us is but a child of love. Child of love, who is your mother? Do you recognize each one you see as part of your own family? Child of love, sister and brother, what will it take for you and me to be loving one another? And now we're sailing to the threshold where the golden age will unfold. And the stormy seas we sail, they will be rough. But we're helping one another, one with compass, one with rudder, on a ship of freedom called the child of love. And to me, that's it. We're in a whole... We're in this thing bravo, together. Bravo, bravo. I like it a lot. I'm sorry? I like it a lot. Bravo. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
I've got it. Um, it's linked through my blog and all this stuff. So I, you know, I write these songs, and I'm going to be doing more and more of them because I wrote them years ago when they weren't resonating with people too much, and then I got very much involved in, uh, you know, working on the Meyer case thing and being a single father and lots and lots of stuff. And so the songs went to the background. And I just said, oh, I got to start doing this other part of my, you know, my left brain. My right brain. My right brain wants to, you know, blab too and, and do songs again. So I'm doing really simple stuff. They're not fancy uh, productions just to put the thoughts out there that are with it because each person, this is what it comes to, finds the way to express themselves and seek to express their understanding, you know, of higher awareness and knowledge and their understanding of how uh, in their day to day life, the things they suffer through that are common to people. You know, like uh, I wrote this, did you ever feel you weren't worth a cent and someone else's happiness could cause you to resent? Jealousy devours any hope of love. Everybody's got so much and you don't have enough. That's another, I put that other song up. It's uh, You're Not Alone. I've been going through it with you. So I want to, to, you know, shoot these things out too so that, in every possible way, we get connect to our humanity, our humankind, and realize that what this case, this Billy Meyer context, this is the greatest gift given to humankind of Earth, in my opinion. And they started giving this one a long time ago, and they they knew they could see this is going to take thousands of friggin' years. People here are really stupid, but we've been <laughs> tell me about it. So, you know. <laughs> So, we're, you know, we might be sitting up here right now, but there's those that are more evolved than we are. But, you know, that whole thing with the High Council and the Arahat Asashata and the Batali, oh, my God, is it all about? Well, it's all freely available. Just We can figure it out. But if we if we approach life from this place, well, we have – this is an opportunity. We're all forced into a certain amount of solitude now. Study. You know, get to know yourself and and contemplate. The teaching, the spiritual teaching is just like it's a book. If you have a book on how to fix a computer or a car or a recipe for, you know, corn muffins, it doesn't matter. You do this, do that, that then you should get this result, right? Okay, I'm going to do this, do that, think about that. What's my result? That way there's no beliefs, absolutely none, none. Now, we can come away saying, I don't know. But then again, we might come away saying, it worked, <laughs> you know. Fair enough. So, fair enough. Now, as as we're running out of time here, I want you to tell any listener out there what you want them to take away from this, like what you want them to learn the most when it comes to you having been here, when it comes to uh, Billy, when it comes to the information he has, when it comes to the knowledge he offers. What do you want them to take away sure. the most from this? Well, there's a few certain keys that are expressed uh, there in the spiritual teaching. The first one is we are all 100% solely responsible for our lives. It means for what we think, how we feel, and what we do with that. Now, it doesn't mean that other people don't affect us and things don't come our way that are maybe immediately out of control, but we are essentially responsible for ourselves. No outside forces, real or imaginary, no political leader or imaginary God or Savior is responsible for us. That doesn't mean that there are not people who function in life as leaders or teachers who do not bring benefit and who do not help and who we shouldn't support or appreciate. It means we still have to decide that. The other thing 
in there, it's really key, is that we have to see things as they really are first, not as we want them to be, not as we fear they might be, not a Band-Aid over. So we can't change anything for the better unless we can see things the way they are. So we see the good, the bad, the ugly, and we learn how to correct that. It's a uh, They speak about neutral positive thinking. And with neutral positive thinking, we learn to equalize thoughts. The negative is necessary. We cannot have strictly positive thoughts, strictly positive everything. We'd have no polarization, no spinning opposition that would lead us to be able to produce good things. So we, when we have that negative comes into our life or we see the negative or we do it or whatever else, we have to bring ourselves to equalize it, to find the positive and to realize when we are thinking very positively in the rest that there's another perspective that may not quite be that one that we need to maybe at a certain point take into consideration as well. And then how do we incorporate different things? Neutral positive thinking it can mean even more than all that, but we learn to see things and to equalize and balance them rather than to hang heavy with the negative or too much with the positive because it is said in this material we can degenerate to the positive as well as to the negative. And that even goes back to something we might be able to speak about if we have another visit, which I'd love, and that is what happened to some of our forefathers in the Syrian star system that led to many of the things we have today, the whole of the story. But that has to do with a degeneration to the positive. So we see things as they are. We bring that neutral positive thinking into play. We learn about striving so that we develop that striving and seeking ability in us uh, where we do not let little obstacles and, and uh, you know bumps in the road be the things that derail us so badly or crush our you know, what we call spirit. It's not really spirit, it's something else. Um, it, you know, it's like we, we, we're going to face challenges all the time. We're going to face difficulties. And we learn to come into those circumstances and equalize our thinking about that as well, to see the thing as it is. Here's the thing we want to strive for, but my gosh, look at this obstacle. Well, let's see it for what it is. What's, what is the nature of this obstacle? And what are the things that we can start to call forward to help us to overcome that so that we can continue our striving? There's just so many factors, but okay. So we have striving is another important factor. So earlier on, I said, when you asked me, well, what's this, you know, why did you get involved? I want to prove the prophecies wrong. It simply means that I want to be out there making my work in the world one of bringing attention to this whole thing, this whole gestalt of what is this, so that people can also become aware of things that they're not otherwise aware of. We are in something as the time fulfills is the name of one of my films. We are in a time when things are fulfilling. I want to keep bringing awareness so we can still make a difference and choose to mitigate, uh, soften, diminish, redirect those forces and things that we still can. Some stuff we cannot change. There's stuff coming. We can always talk about that later that we're going to we 
hum, humankind is faced with it, and we will individually have our challenges with it, but we want to bring ourselves fully into play to do the best we can, knowing how to think more and more, how to navigate, how do we how do we work with each other to well let's let's create a little path around this as best we can. So that's why I, I you know I've still spoken so much about the prophecies and predictions and want to prove them wrong and all that. So the other thing I want to do is I want to give any and all listeners a copy of a uh, free download of one of my documentaries that I did with a buddy of mine. We filmed it 15 years ago in 2006, came out in 2008, and it's called The Silent Revolution of Truth. It's a whole thing of, you know, this was still, you know, this is 15 years ago when we're doing it, but I think it's the best UFO documentary made for various reasons. And I want people to have the chance to uh, discover that for themselves. So make up their own mind what they can do if they email me and they mention you or your show or the word free. Uh, and they have an email address. I'll just simply give them that. I won't put them on, you know, lists and sell their names. I want people to have access to as much of this as they can. And on on the website and the blog, I have well over between my website and blog, I have over fourteen hundred articles, <laughs> and we cover everything: the coming civil wars in the U.S., the COVID thing, uh, you know everything you can think of and we're willing to cover more so that's at uh, you know theyfly.com or theyflyblog.com so there it is from my you know uh, perspective i think we we could have many things to speak about and i would invite you and your listeners if they want to write you you know and say hey well if you do another show why don't you consider this topic or that or write questions and challenges to me whatever i answer all my email it just takes time and then if they want to, you know, the only pitch I'll make for anything to buy is we have a bookstore and, you know, DVDs and books. And Billy's newest book is Introduction to Meditation. And if anything I can think of, that and a book called The Might of Thoughts, either of those are great starters for the times that we are in and what's coming. There is going to be some massive environmental upheaval coming the way of the world and massive civil and international stuff. This administration is off on a bad course to try to provoke war with Russia that was foretold by, you know, thousands of years ago by Enoch. Uh, if that succeeds, it's a dead end for us. Uh, it's just a lot of things. And there's a lot of unknown things. We don't get told everything. There'll be plenty of surprises. And the rest is up to us. The might of the thoughts, what we do with it. Amazing, amazing. I am so glad you came on here, man. You have uh, educated me on quite a couple of things I was not aware of. I've I've looked at your information quite thoroughly, but not thoroughly enough, clearly. You have a an archive of information in your mind. I, I can't imagine there's any way for you to put all of this into words ever. It is too much. You've thought about it beyond the scope that many people could. Uh, I'm sure it's because of the involvement you've had with Billy and with this information and the amount of time you've given this uh, information and how much you've thought about it and really considered all the possible angles. I applaud your dedication to this. I applaud the 
the mission to want to sort of enlighten others to this information instead of leaving the world. Because you could just be like, I have the information and let the world burn. But you are actively trying to sort of pull people out of their darkness. And we live in a particularly ignorant planet filled with particularly ignorant people. And you go out of your way to try to inform them. You dedicate your time. There's nothing more precious than time. And you give your time to this cause and to try to bring people out of this kind of uh, delusional state that has been programmed by these institutions intentionally trying to suppress people. And I, I definitely applaud and I uh, take off my hat to you, man. It's definitely fascinating what you do and I appreciate it very much. Now, before we get out of here, if you can, uh, again, give them a plug for everything and let them know which email they can send you, uh, where they can sure. email you for information on the documentary or if they want to talk to you, uh, any websites, any locations that you want them to research, any of your information, tell them this is your moment. Tell them anything and everything you want them to know. Well, thank you. I, I do want to say just one thing, and that is that it, I, I appreciate what you said about my work, and I, I really do because I'm glad to do it. But I, here's what inspires me. I think about Billy, this one man, this one man who literally single-handedly does all of this and more far – I mean – incomprehensible what he has done 45,000 pages of information typed out firsthand just so Billy has said because people remember we talked about changing people and, all that, and he said no teach by example well Billy is the best example I I know of so when I think about him I think about well you know he teaches by example I want to just be a good example and, and tell people what I've learned from this and let them have the opportunity. So I will, uh, I thank him. Of course, I thank you for this opportunity. Believe me, I do. And I want a link for this so I can share it with everybody. But I'll tell you the answer to the question is I have a website. It's basically, it's a much older site. Hadn't updated it really for about six years. It's called theyfly.com. And where we do most of our activities at theyflyblog.com. And sites linked from it. I'm linked to other sites where there's tons and tons of translations and stuff, and uh, translations in other languages and wonderful stuff. Theyflyblog.com. And I have this film. It's called um, The Silent Revolution of Truth. And if people want to email me at uh, the initials are real simple. It's PR, like press release, PR at theyfly.com. And they just say, you know, film free, whatever they want to say. I'll know it. And then I'll send them. I'll, you know, go over and, and you know, do the link so they can download it. And then uh, the, the website and the blog is fill, just filled with tons of free stuff. So that's fine. I love it when people buy books and all that stuff. I do my work voluntarily so I don't get paid for it. If people buy something that I either sell or produce and sell, yeah, I make I make some money. Thank you very much. But this is a labor of love. And uh, my research started 42 years ago. And I've represented Billy in this case officially with our little contract since 2004. <laughs> I'd like to keep it going for a while. So I really, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this interview, I, 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 
said to someone close to me, I said, I just have a feeling this is going to be a really interesting situation, our interview. And you th- you did not let it down. I mean, whoa. I mean, that so, was all you, man. You had the information. I just had some questions about what you were talking about. And I've just been astounded straight through this. You are quite the informed individual. And I'm a person who, uh, again, I focus, my, my time has been drowned in the sciences for quite some time. And I've never in my life heard of an answer for uh, the existence of common alien life throughout the universe. But you, my friend, have given that to me, which is that there is a blueprint in some beyond subatomic scale that as we become macroscopic, we see it show itself like you've even educated me in things I consider myself highly educated in. Like, you are well-informed, and I appreciate your presence so much. Well, thank you. It was probably accidental in a way, because I'm not super informed on things like, you know, genetics. But if I would say one other thing to that, and I, I don't want to diminish it, but think about life itself in this universe, that there is an overall program Everything we see, every living or inanimate thing, everything we feel is thought made manifest. And what I used to say to people, you know, just from my very, you know, basic way, I'm not a scientist, like yeah, science researcher, I'm not a scientist. I said, look, tap your finger on a desk and you're touching a, a, a material that is made of molecules and atoms, there's a vibrational frequency rate. It's different than the glass that your water is held in or the, the, the metal that your cutlery is made of. Everything has a duration. It's consciously created. And we are also able to mix these substances of life to create new substances with different densities and durations and all. But that's only because there is a master thought that birthed everything and brought it all into being that has its immutable laws. So it doesn't intercede in our life and save us or punish us. What it does is it gives the spiritual teaching so that we may learn what its guidelines are so that we may more elegantly and with less pain navigate evolution and benefit from discovering what the truth of life is as was given in this creation by this consciousness that we cannot in any other way fathom that isn't a deity or a being like we know, and yet everything we see, touch, feel, living or inanimate is thought made manifest. Wooey. And that gets to me. So that's amazing. I hope we can speak again. Hell yeah. Yes, a hundred percent. I need you to come back in the future. We that you don't understand. I I didn't want to interrupt you. There was so much you were saying that was astounding that I didn't want to cut in with something I was thinking about. So I I definitely need you back in the future so that we can go through this and I will pick little details and we can like coast on it. And I you're my you're officially who I've chosen as my teacher for this. You are so vastly informed and I am I appreciate you being here so much. I do need you back in the future and we can figure that out somewhere down the line. 
Absolutely. And thank you for creating the forum for it. And I tell you, the people that I know, the people that you know follow the Meyer work and, and, and know about my blog, they're going to be extremely grateful to you for having made this forum possible and for your own interest, because it's a oneness with all of us. And we just, you know, we all appreciate that sharing. So thank you. Okay, holy crap. Where do we start? Where do we start? What is what is there to say, man? First, thank you to Michael Horn for for coming on. Phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the most astounding just information dumps I have ever seen ever. There's so much. Interesting. It was a very interesting episode. Yes. Yes, it was. Definitely. There was so much going on. There was so much information. It was, uh, it makes you think, right? It's crazy. Because most things that come uh, left field like this, just unexpected information, belief systems, ideologies, um, come with some sort of back behind the scenes hint of violence. Uh-huh. That's usually preached by the god of that group. And that's where this definitely differs from any type of religion and differs from any kind of uh, similar thing. It is a series of philosophies to follow that in that it's very similar to a religion. It has philosophies which are basic things you can understand how religion was constructed upon philosophies that make sense at least primarily there's Don't no difference of this and a religion is there there are quite a couple of differences which i will point out but religions mm. are generally built of things that are at least at the beginning they have you know don't kill don't rape don't don't steal don't cheat you know the usual shtick yeah. And then you, as the pages roll on and roll on, and roll on, you start getting to the, uh, but this kind of people must be murdered. And, uh, that kind of stone, that guy. And you start getting into that sketchy shoot fire from the sky and extinguish entire cities. And it's like, okay, we've, uh, veered off into a different land. The two places where this stands out completely in which is what saves it from morphing into a religion are one there is no god spoken of everything seems to trace through science and biology everything was a product of the universe even in the fact that billy himself suggested the possibility of global of global consciousness being the dominant force in the universe mm -hmm. so the universe is perpetuated by thought there is a universal potential for thought and that generated everything else now minus that what is that thought taking the form of? And that's where we get humans, that's where we get aliens, that's where we get planets, stars, so on and so on. Yeah. Uh, what we have is a system in which we essentially have the zoo hypothesis to the Fermi paradox. Which is... Now, the Fermi paradox, for uh, anybody who, who wandered in here uh, as a fan of uh, Michael Horn and Billy specifically... Our listeners normally are very aware of the Fermi Paradox. We talk about that here a lot. The Fermi Paradox is the – not the philosophy, but I guess it's the debate, the question posed of if 
the universe is so vast. Where are the aliens? Where are the aliens? Why don't we see them? Mm-hmm. And that breaks up into two arguments. One of them is that there is no such thing as aliens. The, there's a couple of reasons for why there might be no aliens. We might be the first. We might be the first life form to develop, and eventually there'll be more. Or they died. Or they died. That's the, that one's called the Great Filter, mm-hmm. in which there is some sort of limit that most civilizations reach before they destroy themselves. But for the case of probabilistically the amount of aliens there should be, and the amount of life there should be, why we haven't seen it, one of the solutions is the zoo hypothesis, which states that there is an abundance of alien life. But also, they protect us and they watch us without directly influencing us, but simply making sure we don't destroy ourselves until we are ready and advanced enough to reach them and for them to reveal themselves fully without affecting our natural progression as creatures. So... What is happening with Billy is essentially the zoo hypothesis in concrete form. You have uh, uh, hyper-intelligent life forms capable of such profound energy that they can even travel through time willingly. And they then use their ability to travel through time to take Billy into the future so he can witness specific events. And then write about them to try to make differences in the world. So they are actively only presenting themselves to key individuals. Now, in the case of what, uh, now back to everybody, in the case of what we're seeing here is that Billy is basically a Messiah reincarnate. But Messiah is an exaggerated name given to religions afterwards. So was Jesus the Messiah while he was alive? Or did Jesus become the Messiah after he died? Um... Because we know Christianity formed following the death of Jesus, not during the life of Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. Mm -hmm. And his followers were variants of Judaism. Is it the same with all those other messiahs? Yes, I believe so. I believe all those messiahs were just people who were even prosecuted by their respective uh, religious systems until they died, in which case later they become the prophet that was preaching their word to the utmost caliber and standard, later to become known as a messiah by those respective religious groups. Oh, That's to say that there's no exception here. Billy is like Jesus, who specifically told his apostles, you don't have to belong to any religion. So long as you love and you care and you treat everyone with respect and you do what's collectively right, it doesn't matter how you approach life. Just do what's right. Yes. And yeah. now Billy is following the same ideology of teaching. I, I tried to, to explain to Michael how there are scenarios in which violence could be understood. If you are really feeling oppressed, if you're really being pressured down, if you're really being held down against your will, and you know who the culprit that's doing it is, and you find no way to peacefully break your way out, that is how violence happens. You go to the extreme that would free you. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Billy's teachings, and Michael was very adamant about this, you never resort to violence you do not under any circumstance resort to violence teach them slowly if you have to tolerate the ignorance if you have to that is very jesus-like that's very different that's very different you have to tolerate now this is a important piece to point out 
in the case of how religions speak of their messiahs versus how the people who experienced these messiahs express in their private writings what Billy preaches is along the side of first-hand accounts, while what religious texts that have been altered preach is a much more aggressive, even sometimes violence is a method kind of way. Yeah. Which is interesting, because that's another big break-off from religion. Yeah, until he dies, and then there's violence written for him or whatever yes that's where we have a problem he writes his philosophies based on right and wrong and experiences provided from the future and knowledge given to him by beings that are much wiser than we are when he dies and somebody else picks up a pen and makes their interpretation of what a sacred being has said now you are just a human with no sacred power in you with no reach uh, to these entities that chose you specifically for some sort of purity or because there is a lingering energy moving through you now you're just a guy who's using your biases who's doing your you know that becomes yeah. problematic yes so now, for, for any listeners, for any followers of Billy Mayer, for the uh, the fans of Michael Horn, who, who shares the word of Billy Mayer, for any of these people, the moment Billy passes, it's done. What he wrote is what you follow, because more things will follow, but that's not Billy. Yeah. Ignore it. Ignore it. That is a key... It's going to be Billy-inspired. It's Billy-inspired, yeah. exactly. They're going to claim that very same thing. It's going to be Billy-inspired. And it's a very confusing and interesting thing that's happening there. Because it shouldn't be that way. But, because people should have the right to interpret. But that always leads to a corrupt force trying to use the fact that people already follow this system of philosophies and trying to bend those people's mind to their will. Yep. So don't always. let this happen to this guy. <laughs> don't let this happen to this guy. He is legitimately preaching peace. Under any circumstance, if this was a Nazi German belief, it would have already devolved into using force. If the ideas of not mixing were malicious, it would have been applied by force. But there's logical motivations behind these things. I'm not saying you should partake. I'm not saying you should believe in Billy. I'm not saying you should trust Michael. I am not telling you any of these things. I'm saying... There is logic behind statements. Yes, it's totally fine to mix. I am totally on board. Mix all you want. Have all the mixed babies. But if culture were to disappear, how tragic. Yeah, yeah. culture's amazing. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to say, I'm going to go to China and enjoy the Chinese culture. And I'm going to go to Africa. And I'm going to go to Nigeria and experience that culture. And I'm going to go to South America. But if you went everywhere in the world and it was identical, then who cares where you go? It's all the same. The, the most that would be different is climate. Yes. But on the flip side. Until we have those technologies to change the weather and everything, and then everything will be and perfect. And then everything will be the same. <laughs> but here's an interesting part about this that's unavoidable. Uh, internet is going to mix culture anyways, even if genetically we're diverse. 
Mm-hmm. So we might be sectioned off by giant land masses and mix slower than people would like. But culture in itself would still merge. It's going to happen. It's already begun. It's been underway for quite a while. There's a lot of similarities across the world. Like, for example, the similarities between South Korea and the United States. At this point, you can call South Korea the Western of the Asian cultures. That's how excessively similar. Now, there's a million differences. Don't get me wrong. They're not picture perfect. It's just compared to everything else and how much they have adapted to the point there's so much of their language is composed of English words. There's so many borrowed words that it's impossible to avoid the mix of culture. Now, race-wise, I get the <laughs> I get how it sounds. I understand how it sounds to be like races shouldn't mix. And I'm against that idea. I don't think races shouldn't mix. But I also understand like the amazing nature of having race. Don't you ever sit back? Let's let's just attack the guys right now, right? You sit back and you're like, "Wow, I really have a thing for Asians." And then there's no such thing as Asians. That's not a thing, a thought you can ever have again, because in the future we all mix, and then we're just one. We're like the race in um South Park, all just tan, ball headed people. The tan, bald-headed people. Yeah, mm. and then they were immigrating to the past so that they could uh, oh. take the jobs, mm-hmm. and then the guys started having sex with each other so that the women wouldn't reproduce, and then they would blink those people out of existence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all those people were identical. Mm-hmm. And they all spoke a language which was a merge of every language. There was no language, there was no race, all of that ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. In the future, people can't be like, Asians, yeah, attractive. That's not a thing. So that goes out the window. People who like tan women only like tan women because it's an opposite to light skin or black. There's there's variants. Yes. There's flavors. Uh-huh. That will be gone. <laughs> that's all erased. Uh-huh. That's that's what happens with merging. And then you got to like people for their personality only. Oh no. Well, I'm assuming in all of these cases you like people because of their personality too. But know, you have less of a reason. Care. <laughs> I mean, there would still be, like, the bar of attractiveness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there would still be. Yeah, I'm assuming like. in all these cases <laughs> I've mentioned, the looks are what initially got you to speak to the person. Yeah. And also, the idea that liking somebody for what's inside is uh, should take precedent is weird. Because where did we get that? Why can't somebody just base it entirely on looks? Uh, it probably won't don't get me wrong it probably won't work as a relationship doesn't matter either way I guess yeah but like right like it doesn't ultimately matter like who sat down and decided okay liking somebody for their looks wrong but for the personality right like what no how about 50-50 how about you could whatever you're into whatever you're into that's maybe you like looks maybe you like personality yeah like that lady who's like my husband doesn't like my looks I know, right? Yeah, that's totally like he might like her personality. Yeah. Why? Why is? Uh, why is that important? Exactly. Why is this even like a, a question? It's fascinating. It's definitely fascinating. What Michael Horn has enlightened me to. So much info. So much. So inf- much. It's just so much. Oh my gosh! There's got to be like three more episodes explaining what was talked about. Three episodes <laughs> could not wrap this up. <laughs> oh. There's so much. There's so much. I I do like that he was a very chill guy. That was yeah. pretty cool. It was very mellow. Yep. Just straight to the point. And f- feeding all the information. He's he's here to share. Yep. And he has some 
plugs? Yes. Uh, so if you guys want to dive into all of this, if you guys want to first, like he said, he has an email you guys can reach out to if you want him to send you his documentary. And that is at PR at theyfly.com. Awesome. Email him. Tell him Question we sent him. you. Say, Just Conversation told me about you, or I heard about you on the Just Conversation. We would like to check out the documentary. Uh, ask him questions. I'm probably going to harass him consistently yep. for specifics. Yep. I have to. There's a lot going on here. But you can also find... Now, this is an extensive list here, so you could find him at his work and the work of Billy which is essentially what he's talking about here. He's just uh, reiterating or uh, elaborating on the works of Billy and the knowledge of Billy. So you could find Michael's uh, website. You could find information on Billy and whatnot at uh, theyfly.com or theyflyblog.com. Those are two separate locations. There's a million links in both of those. There are quite a couple of things going on there. So you can dive in. He made... He produced movies for Billy or about the ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all fine. They could find that. That's actually what the thing is about. Oh, yeah. Also, so you could, there's uh, books, there's content, there's merchandise. There's a million different things you could buy. There's uh, content to read, uh, things to share. Uh, if you if you like what you see, if you like what you hear, you could definitely share it around, dig deep, find information. There's probably online groups uh, dedicated to this, so you could find that. I'm sure Facebook houses a million of those. So just dive in if you like it. If you uh, if you follow this kind of thing, if you're already a fan, then this is no new news to you. If you are a fan of the teachings of Billy and of Michael Horn, then you can you can find our works to see what else we do. We're usually just kind of kidding around, talking about we what we do is we take the information that is common in society and we break it down in usually comedic ways, just we're perspectivists. That's primarily what we do. We take information and try to look at it from a million different ways. I promise you we don't believe anything we ever say. Nope. Or anything we've, that we've ever heard. All of it is equal to us. So if you are curious to see what we do, you can find the podcast on the official website, greatthoughts.info, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Combo Pod. Yes, and remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you think. Uh, our listeners, let us know what you think about uh, Michael. Tell us where you stand on this. And new listeners, tell us what you think of the show. You can also give us questions about this episode. Yes. That'd be awesome. Interesting. Yes, he said that. If you guys want to send us questions, you could send us questions at all the, the social links that were mentioned there for us to ask in the future we will just hoard these questions put them aside and uh, store them until the day that we talk to michael again yes and let someone who might like this show know about it yes word of mouth very important if you liked what you heard share it tell people let them know about the program uh if you're a new listener who came here following michael and you like what you heard you can check our out our other guest episodes and uh, see what that's like. We usually have a very fun conversations, very genuine, some very dark, some very philosophic. It, it they're goes, all different. They're all different. They're all different. We let the guest be the energy setter. 
Oh, you can also check out the episodes of me and Christina here, where we're just, you know, like I said, unpacking things. Talk, yes, our conversations are extremely random. This has been the Just Conversation Podcast. Take nothing personal, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. It's crazy. You'd have to destroy the comic book, but assuming the universe takes place inside the comic book, you can get rid of a fucking panel and he would just be in another one by choice and fully aware that he made the leap across panels. But Shaggy could... Could not. The only person who could beat Shaggy is whatever the fuck... It's like in a fight, Deadpool would still lose. He can be erased, but Shaggy doesn't have the ability to erase whatever highest version of reality... Deadpool has access to. Maybe he can do that in his... Ultimate form. In his ultimate form, yeah. 100%. You think Shaggy leaves the panel. Yes, and then he destroys the panel. That can make sense. God of total destruction. Destruction. Yeah. That can't be be total destruction. Why not? Because then that would make it lopsided. A god who can destroy all of everything makes the other god to keep the balance. Meaning. Mmm. Hmm. Interesting. You could not be able to kill everything and destroy everything. Could not happen. There should be some limit to it. Yeah. So then, curse. There basically needs to be a stalemate in power. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you can only create about as much as that person can make at the same time. Perfect balance. But Atheos isn't making anything. Yeah. I mean, Shaggy can't really use 100% of his power either. He can't destroy anything. Is there a maker? Is the spaghetti monster the maker? No. No? Atheos is the maker. He's the maker? He for sure. Yeah, I don't know if he's creator. Good The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas. Produced by Lynn Taylor and published by GreatDots.info. Art by Zero Lupo. And logo by Seth McAllister. With social media managed by Amber Black.